0: I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing
1: left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the yep. most rudimentary Tim. sense of life or death. him What? Michael Myers isn't in this Halloween. And? You're playing the wrong intro. You don't need this. Oh,
0: shit. Uh, all right. Um One second. Uh, okay, got it. Happy Happy Halloween, 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 Happy Happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock, Happy Happy Halloween. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horror And remember the big giveaway at 9. Don't miss it. And don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Silver Shema. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Super Shema. (laughs) Oh, 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 Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show, broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And welcome to St.
1: Paddy's Day episode 2018! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Top of the morning to y'all! And then you're probably wondering why we're talking about St. Patty's Day as we're talking about a Halloween movie, but as you tell from the tower specifically, we're talking about Halloween Season of the Witch, and since it's so Celtic-based... I thought it would be kind of fitting to have this movie released on St. Patty's Day. As you can tell from the title as well, it, just saying Halloween 3, and it's one good scare. It's our chronological exploration of all the Halloween movies leading up to the new one that's coming out in October. And like for the past two episodes, I've had the same co-host, and he's back again, Mr. Mike Wilson. Welcome back.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. Happy St. Paddy's Day. And at the time of this recording, happy Daylight Savings 2018. Oh, yeah, it is. Ah. Don't forget. I hope by the time you're hearing this, you should have put your clocks forward, or else you've got, you've got issues. You're late every day. What's wrong with you? Get on the bandwagon, people.
0: <laughs> Henry! She's right! What's wrong with you?
1: This obsolete thing that we do. Yes.
0: She's right. Not, you're not normal, Henry. You're wrong. What's wrong with you? Uh, sorry that I have Goodfellas on the mind. Uh, did I did that review before. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did a review of Goodfellas on my other show. Please rewind. You can check that at rf4rm.com. But today we're we'll talking about Halloween Three.
1: We knock on Tim's door and we say, "Is this the building superintendent? Do you know, there's a whore living here."
0: It <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first time that somebody said that to me. Anyway, let's jump into a review of it right now. <laughs> Mike, when did you first...
1: You ask the same question every time when yeah. you start. No, yeah, no, because
0: I do it with every movie, every review, like, when your first interaction with it? And I think it's especially important for this show, because we're documenting our experience with the Halloween franchise. And so, when did you first see this, and were you aware of its reputation going in?
1: Uh, not a damn clue. The first time I saw this would have to be, like I said, for Halloween 2. Um, after seeing Halloween 1, and it completely ruining my life... Every time I go to the video store, every weekend, go to the, the late, great blockbuster video, as my mother was checking out, I'd always walk over to the horror section, because it was right by the checkout line, and i just looked straight for Halloween, because I was engrossed with it at this point. I noticed, though, there's this Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, with these, these masks, and thinking to myself, what? what, what? Where's, where's Michael Myers? Mm. Look at the back of the box. No Michael Myers. You know, reading the synopsis. Nothing about Michael Myers or Haddonfield. Not even the shape. Not even the shape. Nothing. I mean, I made the mistake with the Halloween 2 VHS copy that I I said about in the last one where I thought that one didn't have Michael Myers either because there was no pictures of him in it. So Halloween 3, I kind of just figured, okay, there's no Michael Myers. Um, I heard it wasn't that good from people. Mostly all I had to go by was like one of my aunts and my mom's best friend. They had seen all of them. Because they were horror buffs back in the day when the stuff came out. So, in watching all the Halloweens for the first time, renting them each week, I actually skipped over that one. Really? For a very long time, I first saw it on TV on the Sci-Fi Channel, heavily censored. Quite a bit. Well, yeah, because uh, yo, you got you gotta you gotta censor Tom Atkins' butt. Mm. His, his butt is too hot for TV. Yeah.
0: It, I mean, it's no. too controversial. No, yeah, I mean, but there,
1: no, there was a lot of censorship. Like with, with uh, because the death scenes in this, they're pretty extreme. They are pretty extreme. Like the movie is mostly when there isn't a death happening, the mo- movie is mostly like blood free. Yeah, there's no like wounded character who's bleeding out of every fucking orifice. You know, I, it, like we were just watching the clip of the laughing scene clip from Evil Dead Two mm-hmm. just on YouTube before to amuse ourselves. Yes, there's nobody you know covered completely in fucking blood throughout the whole movie. Good point. Or with any disfigurement or whatever. It's, it, is, it is pretty much they, – they really did go for atmosphere again in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it was kind of hit or miss with the whole atmosphere thing. We will continue to elaborate this as we go. Right. But basically, I saw it on Sci-Fi Channel. It was heavily censored. Like, the, the scene of when Harry Grimbridge was killed was very censored. They actually didn't show his face being pulled apart. It was just, like, squeezed over his mouth. And I thought that, like, he just crushed his face with, by doing that. hmm and and the blood, I don't know if I had the color setting my wrong uh, settings on my TV wrong, but like the blood was so thin in that scene, it almost looked orangey.
0: I mean, there's it there's was weird.
1: It, it there's looked... some weird orange
0: goo in this movie, but uh, yeah,
1: that comes out of the robot man. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, this early into the podcast, spoiler alert. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember what what's the doctor's name in DC Comics who built the robot men. Anyway, somebody will be like, hey, it's this guy. Anyway, go on. Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Yeah, Sci-Fi Channel. I <laughs> watched it. I mean. At this point, I had seen all the freaking Michael Myers sequels, and this wasn't going to do anything to me that those didn't. You know, mm. this was, and I saw it also as a teenager. So when you look at it back then, you think, "Oh, this sucks initially because it's not what these other movies are." Right. I've come to appreciate it very much, as as I have with all the sequels. Come to appreciate them much more as an adult now, and much more in this era of of sequel reboot of and remakes and all that shit where. Uh, if it didn't make any money, okay, just reboot it, but ignore this, 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 and this, you know? Yeah. Or, oh, okay, the first one was really popular, so let's reboot it, ignore everything else but the first one to ape off its success because we have creativity for yeah. all the millions we make. So I've come to appreciate it on time, and its it, it truly is a standalone movie. Yes. It truly is a standalone movie. It was designed to be from the start because a- after – you know, Halloween 2 ended. Halloween 2 was very successful. Made a lot of money. You know, reception may not have been the warmest. It didn't like the world on fire like Halloween 1 did, but it was very popular. Right. In John Carpenter's eyes, Michael Myers' story was over. Him and Dr. Loomis. Michael Myers was dead. He blew him up at the end. And so the idea, you know, when producers came, I, I believe it was a universal group, because they were still owned the rights to Halloween at the time, wanted to make another one. And Carpenter... He got together. Him and Deborah Hill were approached about it, and they thought, okay, we can go in a different direction. If we're gonna do another thing called Halloween, we can go in a different direction. Halloween was probably gonna become, at that point, an anthology series like Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, yeah, stuff like that, all centering around the season of Halloween, which you have you an endless amount to do. Yeah, the season of and the season of Halloween really is. Circumstantial and coincidental. In I feel the Michael Myers movies, just the right. fact that it could, you know, you could have had him wearing a fucking rabbit mask and call it Easter, yeah, and the story would have worked the same. Yeah, this really—that's one of the things I also like about it too, because for a movie with Halloween in the title, is very centered around Halloween, which is also a lot of why I like Halloween Six. Mm. So they got together with uh, Nigel Neal, the writer of the Quatermass movies. Yes, Carpenter and Hill were fans of his. Uh, he wrote up a script.
0: I mean, I, hell, I think even he, uh, John Carpenter, used a pseudonym for *Quartermass* when he wrote *Prince of Darkness*. Did he? I, I'm pretty sure, because like, he, <laughs> because after Christine um, Carpenter, like, saw his name like four times on the giant like marquee, like, or the poster, and he thought this is just too, like. Narcissistic, so he like if he was gonna have multiple roles in the movie, like he would use pseudonyms for it. That's what Hideo
1: Kojima should have done for Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> oh God! How many times <laughs> was his name on that? Uh, a million, but the point was to stick it to Konami, who took his name off uh, off of the uh, title in promotional material. Oh, so That was kind of his little middle finger right back to them during their whole split yeah. when they took a Hideo Kojima game off of all promotional material for Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. In the credit, in the opening and ending credits of every single mission or episode, as they're called, his name is plastered all over it. So, I I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And so yeah, the the creative house. Yes. So, recently
1: so I was- wrote a script. Um, I've read conflicting stories about this, but it was they liked they liked basically the the uh, distilled elements of it. When you boil it down, they liked the simple structure of the story. But there was a lot in there. That wasn't really liked. I've heard that um, people didn't like his script because it was too dark and cynical. I've heard that Universal didn't like it because it wasn't gory enough. It didn't have enough, you know, killing or whatever. It was more mental than it was visual. Right. For horrors. So uh, I know Tommy Lee Wallace and John Carpenter had a hand in rewriting it, and Nigel Neal fr- fucking hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so he. I, I, I believe I read somewhere he, he uh, sued to get his name taken off of it. Oh, shit. Which I don't think you have to really sue for that, but his name does not appear anywhere in the credits. Right. So this time for directing, Tommy Lee Wallace actually did decide to take this up. He was offered Halloween 2. Yes. Uh, felt he wasn't the right person. We discussed this in Halloween 2 podcast. See yeah, that? go
0: back and listen to that if you really want to have our true feelings on towards Halloween 2 and, like, the kind of changing of the dynamic between – Carpenter and Deborah Hill towards the Halloween franchise, and then how it continues
1: moving forward. But anyway, Tommy Lee Wallace jumped at this opportunity because it really was a blank slate. Start, it's a blank canvas. You are starting. You are painting from brand new. He doesn't have to follow anything. He can make this all his own. Which, which he loved that idea. Many of the, te- you know, the team that worked on the previous two were still there. You still have Dean Cundy's cinematography. Erwin uh, Yablons, he, he basically sa- he was an executive producer role, but he basically said I did practically nothing with this. He got paid to do nothing. Carpenter and Hill were there, uh, Deborah Hill, um, Alan Howarth, and Carpenter teamed up to do the music again. So you had you still had that 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 team going. Um, so Hall- Halloween three, it basically we follow Tom Atkins' character, Doctor Dan Chalice. Yeah. Uh, we begin the movie Saturday the t- the twenty third.
0: Before we do that, what my history with Halloween 3. Your
1: history. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. cutting you off.
0: It's okay. Um, well, step
1: in there and say, okay, uh, well, that's uh, very good. My, hist- yeah, yeah, my no, history.
0: No, no, no. That's why I stepped in here when you started doing the breakdown. Well, no, they- step in before. No, 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 because you were on a roll line like, and you were in. You uh, guys Louisiana. step in before the
1: car passes you and not get hit by it.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's why I was terrible at Frogger. There you go. Uh, um, still waiting for we have our gritty live action. Uh, Frogger, uh, reboot?
1: Uh, Frogger reboot. Frogger reboot. We get uh, to play yeah. the frog. Andy Serkis. Okay, yeah, that would work. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: anyway, so my feelings uh, – well, not say my feelings, but, like, my experience with Halloween 3 is that I knew of its reputation before I ever saw it. So I stayed away from it for years. I mean, because, like, I think it was maybe my, one of my friend's brothers who was kind of, like, kind of fostered he and I's uh, fandom with horror. And so I never watched it because, like, it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Why would I watch it? Like, And I was just like – it's kind of like how – once, like, the kind of the Christopher Nolan movies came out, I'm like, I kind of turn my back on the Tim Burton uh, Batman movies. Like, no, those aren't Batman movies. These are Batman movies. Blasphemer. Yeah, exactly. Before I realized every iteration Heretic. of these characters. Yes. Every
1: iteration of Batman is valid. And so... I would say every iteration of Batman is valid because Batman's primary uh, storytelling vehicle is the comics. He started there. Yeah. If the comics ceased to exist, it would definitely, I think, have an impact. But
0: Yeah. And he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yes, yet. and
1: movies can be any interpretation of whatever the hell you want. The comics are the comics.
0: Exactly, and it's funny. Like I'm in midst of reading like the like first run of like the Justice League of America in the 19- like, from 1960 when they appeared in Brave and Bold, and just how like uh, whiz bow and bam they kind of were, and how different how comics writing are then versus now. And so I didn't see Halloween three until. You and I did our Halloween marathon when you were house-sitting for your cousin. Get the fuck out of here. That was yeah. the first time you ever yeah. saw that? Yeah. I, I didn't want to say that because I, 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 I
1: didn't want to get that look that I'm getting right now. Well, it's a me. good thing <laughs> you didn't say that. Yeah, so I was Holy like, shit. Yeah. So I was just like, like yeah, I, would, I would have lit, lit a table outside on fire and pile-driven you through it. <laughs> But wait, would there be thumbtacks underneath it? With uh, uh that I'd uh, be hit with a uh, fluorescent light tubes. Oh my god, I would have beaten you with so many <laughs> fluorescent light. T- I would have pulled every fl- fluorescent light tube out of the fucking basement and beaten <laughs> you with them.
0: That's what we did on Oscar night. We didn't even watch the Oscars. <laughs> we were we watching just, Japanese we death watched
1: extreme Japanese hardcore wrestling from from the past. Over the course of the past like thirty years,
0: yeah, I mean, like uh, we saw like the, the fuck uh, is wrong with people.
1: I mean, we watched the famous. Uh, it was the Sheik, Sabu, um... Tarzan, Goto, and, and uh, Oni- Atsushi and- Onita. And- uh, Asushi- uh, ring at- of Fire death match where the ring ropes were like li- wrapped in like flammable cloth, doused in it- yeah, gasoline, sleep- and lit on fire. And it it was like burning at the stake. It became after almost a minute. It became so hot they all had to jump out of the ring. They all suffered third degree burns. The sheik, who I think, was like in his late sixties at that point. Was in a coma. Uh, he was medically induced coma because he was freaking out. Yeah, because fucking the sixty eight year old man. The only time a sixty or eight or year old man should be set on fire is if you're in a Walmart employee and you're dealing with that person. <laughs> This
0: is—we are two former World War employees uh, speaking from experience here. Um, I'm experienced. I'm from PTSD, (laughs) and so yeah, it wasn't until a couple years ago
1: when I finally watched it, and that's why I think. Yeah,
0: I know, I know, because I didn't want to get the fluorescent light tube across the face on it, so I didn't say anything. And
1: I'm sitting atop a fluorescent light right now. I'm, I'm, I'm we're temp- surrounded by that right I'm now. I'm tempted to pull the bulb out and just strike you over the head with it, <laughs> over the back, just so your red. I mean, you fl- do, like, just so you're. Uh, you'll, I'll be confused if you're still wearing your red flash t shirt that you're wearing right uh, it's now. It's a Shazam t shirt, by uh, it's the way. A Shazam- oh, I swiped, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, it it's still else. a
1: big yellow lightning bolt. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um. he's not wearing a t-shirt that's his skin um so yeah and then when I think that's why I got so enamored with it because I I think I just went into it like been so separated from Michael Myers movies by that point I mean sure we did watch Halloween 1 and 2 previously right before going into this so it was kind of a palate cleanser before we watched Halloween 4 and I was intrigued by it and it's it's another one of those things that I, I, I would come back to every now and then like once I got the uh the 15 Disc uh, Blu-ray Collection from Shout Factory. I like periodically. I'll throw that on just to listen to it and to watch it, and then just kind of like, wow, this is this is this is strange. I'm like, and wonder why it didn't work, why it did not resonate. And we'll get into the
1: reasons why. And so, like you were saying, uh, the movie opens up in Northern California. Northern California. It's about eight days before Halloween. Um, the actual opening of the film still has much in common with the original too, involving a pumpkin, where this time. We have basically uh, some kind of TV or monitor that is very slowly displaying these orange lines on the screen. It's one of those close-ups, like when you get up close to an old CRT and you can see the freaking shadow mask pattern yeah. laid over and all the, the different colored phosphors in there that you don't see when you're far enough away, but you see like these different lines f- appearing on screen as the credits go, and they're forming some kind of object. As we get to the end of the credits, we find out it's a pumpkin. So basically... You know we have we have a digital pumpkin on the TV to open this, which also it also kind of gives you a little bit of a clue as to what's going what's going to be really featured in here,
0: indicative to the first two
1: Halloween movies. Yes, because what's going to be featured has a lot to do with uh, the television is basically the weapon of the villain. Yes, there's a big theme of like the uh, Tommy Lee Wallace had said in the Halloween 25 Years of Terror documentary, um. The television has occupied a place in the center of every home we've even questioned why it should even be there. And you know, at that time for for so many years, I'd say for the past like 20 to 30 years at that point in the 80s, people were questioning television like is it good? Is it a bad thing? Right. Our kids would sit in front of it all day. Mm-hmm. So this really went into it because the plot has a lot to do with children being affected by what's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yes. So, we open up Saturday the 23rd in Northern California. It's dark. An old man comes running out from under an overpass. Uh, The music begins, and also to get into the music, the score is extremely different from anything you've heard before from Halloween. Carpenter continues with that full full synthesizer sound. Full synthesizer sound. Yeah. Say that seven times fast. Full Full synthesizer sound. Full synthesizer sound. Full synthesizer sound. sound. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Homer! Yeah. Hi, Homer! <laughs> so yes, the score is completely different, but it, it still retains that synth sound that Halloween Two had. It's yeah. just it, it's much more uh, electronic sounding. I would yeah. say you hear it a lot in a lot of Carpenter's later movies, Prince of Darkness, They Live,
0: and even like even like a little bit in Big Trouble in Little China. it's yeah. more even that has, like more orchestral stuff, but it's definitely synth based orchestral rather yes. than like actual strings.
1: This is like full on synth. Yeah, so. This old man, he's, he has a he has a, what appears to be a folded-up mask in his hand in the shape of a pumpkin. He's running from something. Something's after him. Yeah. He goes into this old, like, car lot, trying to find a way out. As a car passes by, that's chasing him.
0: Yeah, excuse, excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. The,
1: the Barney Gumble burp happened late. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he manages to hide for a minute as the car passes by, tries to get away, but the car backs up, goes... You know, into the, goes into the parking lot that he was in. He notices he's, he's been spotted. He's desperate to be hidden. He turns around. He's accosted by a man in a suit.
0: Yes, student loan officers have become really extreme in, in this timeline. Hey, man, they
1: want their money exactly. He manages to kill the the man in the suit who has him down choking him by pulling out the block from under a car that clearly was in neutral. The car backs up and crushes the man in the suit. Yes, very uh, calmly and bloodless. Yeah, and he just
0: kind of looks at it. he doesn't he doesn't freak out or anything, he watches the approaching car, and he's smushed between the two of them, doesn't scream, he just kind of, like,
1: reacts, silently, and then kind of keels over. Yeah, the look on his face is like, oh, that could could affect me in some way. Yes. He has a look of, like, cautiousness. Right. So, the old man manages to get away from that situation. Cut to, same night, somewhere, probably nearby, uh, this... Auto body shop nearby, run by run by this this old uh, mechanic. who's mm-hmm. just sitting there watching TV.
0: I'm pretty sure that's the same like gas station that's in the fog, or if not, it's I think it might I think be- it is. Okay, I, think I
1: remember reading that in trivia. It is
0: okay because I'm like cause that looks very familiar when like the fog like rolls into the town and like the gas like uh pump like one of the pumps falls off and starts leaking gas on onto the ground and like the car
1: um lifts start moving up and down. But go on. So the man side, he's he, he's uh. The mechanic inside, sorry, he's watching TV, and and on the TV comes a little uh, commercial for Silver Shamrock novelties. Silver Shamrock Halloween masks, to be precise. And the commercial, the jingle for it, is in the tune of London Bridge. London Bridge is falling down. Right. Except it's eight more days till Halloween. 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 Eight Eight more days days till Halloween. Silver Shamrock. And it's some happy kids nodding their heads back and forth, and then a Halloween mask, Fades you onto see, the this what, is
0: what's gonna like if I do like if I go to McDonald's, I do not, and I find out Shamrock, the Shamrock Shake machine is broken. That's what it's gonna play in my head. as I massacre everybody in the, the eight McDonald's. more days till
1: Halloween. Yeah, you heard it for, here first. <laughs> here first, folks.
0: <laughs> and you know what? I will be acquitted because you know what? I don't think anybody, any jury will convict you if you hear that over and over and over.
1: Yeah, you'd be surprised these days. Then they'll just play movies again.
0: That's true. It's not like you, You're going
1: to bring the downfall of movies, Tim, if if an actual movie influences you to kill.
0: You know, if Timothy Oliphant couldn't get that to work at Scream 2, I don't think... Uh, I think uh, Scream 2
1: was a movie, and he was his character was fictional.
0: <laughs> his plan, yeah, he didn't get arrested. He didn't get to go to trial or anything. No, so. he got
1: shot by fucking uh, Laurie Metcalf, Roseanne's sister. Yes, and then, and then he was fully uh, perforated by Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. And, and then Kennedy shot in through. the head. Yes. Uh... So anywho, if we could keep this on some kind of track and not go completely off the fucking rails like we always do. Ah. It's fun to go off the rails sometimes. Yes, just don't crash. (laughs) So this mechanic who's watching this jingle, and as we see in the jingle, one of the masks is actually the pumpkin mask that this old man that's being chased is carrying. Right. Something's up. So the mechanic, he hears a noise, he walks around, goes to investigate, and in our first semblance of reference to real life, He's bending over a window to look outside, and right above his head, there's a Pennzoil logo. The logo is cut off, and all it says is "self lubricating," a euphemism for being for the mechanic, the worker being fucked by corporate America because a guy in a suit is after him.
0: Yes, and because there's a lot more subtext about corporate America, uh, in Carpenter
1: films in general. Yeah, and just eroding of. But I just noticed that for the first time, mechanic bending over right next to a sign that says "lubricating." Yeah, it's just The working man is getting fucked. Yeah, getting fucked by the one percent. Exactly. I mean, still to this day, even though
0: like Harper is technically considered the one percent now, is he? What's he worth? I think he's worth a lot. All right, but like know. he, like I mean, a he's earned it, but but also that he's also very questionable of like the out of control capitalism, aka they live.
1: Yes, but the, the degree to which it's taken. Right, but anyway, hey, the mechanic. You know, he looks around, sees nothing, gets back in. And in one of many jump scares, this is this is where jump scares really uh, come into play. This movie, Mm -hmm. There's quite a few of them. Was there a music sting for this? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because not all of them do. Some of them do, and some
0: don't. I mean, like this would—I—I don't know if you would consider this a false jump scare because he wasn't a person actually trying to harm the mechanic or not yet still had a musical sting it. it was meant
1: to startle the audience, just like every freaking false jump scare. Wait till we get to Halloween H2O. Oh, God. (laughs) They were watching this movie. (laughs) That's damn sure. But anyway, uh, when the mechanic, you know, goes back in and decides, oh, it was nothing, it's the old man who grabs him and then quickly falls to the ground, completely exhausted, clutching this mask desperately. And he says to him, they're coming. So the mechanic puts him in his car, takes him out of there. And unfortunately, the men in suits notice as he's driving away, so they follow in, in pursuit.
0: Yes, and then we we cut to the main character of the movie, uh, Doctor Dan Chalice, played, played by, by Tom, Tom Atkins. Atkins, as he he goes to see his uh, kids and his uh, ex-wife, played by Nancy. Uh, Nancy Loomis. Nancy Loomis. Now known as Nancy Kyes. Kyes. And former uh, wife of Tommy Lee Wallace. Tommy Lee
1: Wallace and former Annie Brackett.
0: Yeah. And so it's a weird connection to have her in this franchise again. It's also probably really awkward for to direct your ex-wife in a movie. Eh, it's all business. Good yeah. Work. and But like you can tell like, that even though Tom Atkins comes up as a nice guy, he's kind of a deadbeat dad. or he's, Yeah. Or at, work, least the, or at least the mom tries to go out of the way to make him look bad in front of the kids.
1: Work before family. Yeah. He comes in with presents for his kids. They open the bags, and it's these Halloween masks that they're really not interested in because their mom has already bought them silver shamrock masks.
0: Now, I, I there was a family member, uh, or, no, or like a family friend, I should say, who like, both parents were well off, and they were divorced, so both of them would try and – Kind of one up each other and trying to try spoil the kid. Luckily, he's turned out to be actually a kind of cool dude. And he's actually kind of like has his feet on the ground, but there was a time where he was very spoiled and like his parents would like would kind of just placate to that and trying to be the better parent t- to him. So I can kind of see like how this situation probably does happen every
1: day. Oh, yeah, it's probably very common. I mean, she also accuses him of being a, a drinker. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, we've seen we see in the movie he does like his alcohol. Yeah, it's not but, the only thing he not likes. to the point to, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, as he's there, the two of them have their very uh, cold, hostile, hello, how are you? Yeah. And his beeper goes off. Yeah. And she uh, responds with, oh, drinking and doctoring, great combination. As the kids run for the TV, and even the, even the mother's saying, turn that down, the kids are fixated on the TV. Yeah. They're watching the shamrock No more commercial. than 12,
0: 12 inches
1: away from the TV. No more than 12 inches. They're right in front. I used to do the same thing.
0: I don't think I ever got, mmm. I'm not sure if I got that close. unless
1: like If the TV uh, was like sitting on the floor like that you and you were a kid, you were that close. If I had to be quiet,
0: yeah. then yes, I was sitting that close.
1: I noticed once we got an entertainment center, I didn't sit that close because it was no longer really at eye level sitting up.
0: Yeah, but the thing is like my, my, my TV in my basement is like kind of in the entertainment center, but I still sit on the floor. Look up. But I do not know why.
1: Do you look at it all wide-eyed like a little kid would? Sometimes. But then,
0: but then again, I kind of look at life like that at times, so I kind of. I, uh, I've been accused of being a window licker before, so there you go. No, that's
1: just you looking like a deer in headlights looking at life. <laughs> wow. Uh,
0: that's how I try to make you feel comfortable. <clears throat> <forever. laughs> As the truck gets him. Driven by Frogger, played by Andy Circus.
1: And then they put his head up in a cabin in the woods, and then Bruce Campbell comes in and it laughs at him.
0: Yes, exactly. I like
1: that scene. <laughs> And so he goes to the hospital. He goes to the hospital. The call, the, the call that they're about was the old man that was brought in. The old man is uh, identified as Mr. Harry Grimbridge,
0: mm-hmm.
1: clutching this mask. You know, he's passed out. Dr. Chalice gets there, signs for everything. As they're taking him to the hospital, he's, he's sleeping pretty peacefully. Mm-hmm. As the mechanic is talking to Dr. Chalice about how he brought him in, how everything, the, the events of the night, how they transpired, in a room right next to where the stretcher is, the Silver Shamrock commercial starts playing, and Mr. Grimbridge, Harry, he wakes up, he looks over, and he starts like panicking, like almost seizuring. Yes. Gripping this mask, won't let go. They're looking at him like, Are you alright, whatever? And he says, They're going to kill us all. Dr. Chalice is immediately shaken by this. The mechanic, he leaves. Like, now it's time for me to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he's he like, my way. responsibility is done. Like, it's time for me to fucking leave. After he's giving a speech about helping our fellow human beings, like, well, I helped enough. Yep. I get the fuck out of here <laughs> he did sleep I peacefully him. that night, for and sure. He, he's going to do his best to sleep peacefully by saying, I walked away from this. Yeah. <laughs> like a divorce. I walked away from this. Yes. So, you know, they get him to his... They get Mr. Grimbridge to his room, get him to sleep... Dr. Chalice, he's hanging out with, uh what was the woman's name, one of the, one of the nurses. Oh, uh, Agnes. Agnes, one of the nurses. Yeah. They're just chatting it up because they're buddies. But in comes a man in a suit. Yeah, and I don't think this is Dick Warlock. This was Dick Warlock, I think.
0: No, because you saw him with gray hair later on. I think it's because this guy had black hair. He
1: probably had black hair then. He's credited in the fucking credits.
0: Y- yeah, because he is in this, but I don't think he's, I think he's one of. No, he's credited as assassin, Dick Warlock. Okay, all right. So I was uh, not too sure if this was Dick Warlock yeah. or not because I thought we wouldn't see him until later when they get to the town.
1: Nope, he's he, in the credits. It says assassin, okay. Dick Warlock. Gotcha. So yes, Dick Warlock in the suit shows up, and you go, yeah. Uh, if, if any, if he's listening to this, I hope he, I hope he doesn't hate us for the last podcast.
0: Yeah, but like he we still like you. Don't worry. Yeah, but now uh, Dick Warlock is a, again in another hospital, killing people.
1: Yes. Well, why won't he stop? What does he have against hospitals? <laughs> is he is he again just uh, he he's
0: he's really into holistic medicine. And so, like... He's into face-pulling. Yes. Yeah, so, and literally, he wants to rearrange people's faces and everything. That's how he does plastic surgery, holistic way. Uh, yeah, and... and, and it's like, just all his patients die on him right uh, at the beginning, he, so. he had some rough patches. That's why he had, like, syringes into people's faces, thinking that would help. He was kind of early into Botox, and it wasn't working, so he, he just got... He got hands-on with his treatment. You doesn't
1: understand there's an easier way to sedate people besides killing them. <laughs> By injecting air into this their temples. <laughs> okay? I'm just uh, not trying
0: to do a spit take all over the mic.
1: Or me, because yeah. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> yes. And so, so he uh, kills the gill yes, Harry. Yes, Mr., Mr., uh, the uh, Dick Warlock is in a suit. Yeah. Dick Warlock assassin. Sneaks his way into Mr. Grimbridge's hospital room very methodically, very robot-like. I, I do feel his body language has improved. Yes. Greatly in this. Um... Puts on a pair of black gloves. Puts his hand over Mister Grimbridge's mouth so he can't scream. And with two fingers, thumb and index finger, grabs a hold right at the top, like the space on your bridge, you nose, know, right where your eyes connect, and just pulls them, pulls the cartilage up. and You hear all this crunching and rips it apart, completely clean. Yeah. I mean, there's some blood all over his, all over Mister Grimbridge's face and nose where he was holding hold his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he basically pulled his face apart. Yeah. And killed him. Face, he took off. He could his face off. off. Wipe, he, and he even took time to wipe his bloody gloves off on the on the uh, hospital curtain. Yeah, he was he was courteous like that. At which point, Agnes says, "What are you doing in here?" And he
0: just turns, turns around and, and walks, walks away. Walks
1: away. Doctor Jalice was trying to nap on a couch, mm-hmm. he hears Agnes scream, comes running out, sees his, sees this guy walking very slowly, methodically, mm-hmm. better than in Halloween too. i I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Chases after him. This guy gets into a car, very calmly pours gasoline on himself, and with a completely blank face, turns on the lighter and blows himself up. Yep. And Dr. Chalice saw the whole thing go. He's frazzled by this. He's, I he's, mean, h-
0: how would you think if you just saw somebody calmly
1: walk into their car and then blow themselves up bon- voluntarily? After the patient, yeah, well, we're about to get to that. Yeah. Let's, let's just get to it. So the next morning, it's morning now. You know, The cops are still there. Fire trucks are still there putting this out. Interviewing everyone, he's on the phone with his ex-wife because he was supposed to, because he was supposed to take the kids basically that night. Yeah, called up and frantically saying how someone died. He's all worried. And every time we get, every time he gets the ex-wife on the phone, every time he gets ex-wife Nancy Loomis on the phone, she's just yelling at him and roasting him, won't let him get a word in. Of course. So after that, he you know he gives his police report and goes into the room. A young woman comes in. Ellie Grimbridge, Mister Grimbridge's daughter. She right. wants to identify. She's there to identify the corpse. She wants to get over with. Sees it, and it's just completely dumbstruck.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's probably tough to identify a family member anyway. but well, I mean, like emotionally, and then if, to find out somebody is mashed up your father's face with their bare hands. Yeah, you have
1: to identify a, dis- a body of your family member who's been disfigured.
0: Yeah, it turns with a Picasso painting, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Doctor Chalice hates saying this. He, he's just fucked up mentally by it. He uh, sees her in the hallway just crying. He just walks away. He goes down into the, uh, what would it be, like the morgue or the autopsy area? Yeah. He, one of his friends, uh, this lady that works down there, Teddy, she mm-hmm. works in the morgue doing, doing autopsies.
0: Okay. I think she's a coroner.
1: Coroner, probably. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Coroner's office, whatever. But she's in charge of the body. He's asking her, can you please look into this? Because he knows something's wrong. In his heart, something's wrong. She say, she's trying to re- calm him down and say, oh, you know, they said the guy was probably on drugs. He's like, no, I've seen people on drugs. This guy was in complete control the whole time. Yeah. Like, he's definitely fucked up by it. And she she has says, no, I got to go through all official official procedure of doing this. And he's just begging her, please look into – get get a hold of the autopsy yourself. Right. See what happened with this. And she, she's shocked yeah. to see him this, like – really really messed up by this
0: mm-hmm. i love how the fact that like whenever somebody's really robotic everybody immediately thinks drugs like like this thing of the terminator what happened when he punched the windshield He was probably on pcp broke every bone in his hand and wouldn't if he lived for hours
1: oh if he were on pcp you're fucking kidding me he'd be doing something all the way on the other side of town freaking out in the street <laughs> yeah. with no clothes on <laughs> yeah, was, uh, fighting like 18 policemen at once <laughs> at winning and just picking up that car and throwing it at them
0: <laughs> no, I just remember that story of, like, uh, when Randy Savage, like, got into a fight with cops, and they were, they just took the dogs on him, and they, he bit the dog.
1: He bit it, the dog back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, so, we see, uh, Dan next, next, day, or, like, a few days later, Friday, um, this, this is the
1: 29th. He's at the bar. Oh, it's 28th. Yeah, it's the yeah, it 29th. And he's... At the bar, drinking his sorrows away. And guess what comes on TV? A commercial for Halloween, The original
0: okay <laughs> now was this done like
1: was this okay what do you think the thought process is of putting that in there the thought process of putting this in there was that the silver shamrock commercials that come on have teased a big giveaway for all the kids to watch we need something that kid that people will be watching for a big giveaway let's put it in halloween
0: yeah but at that point it's like okay it's like it's trying to say like it's not obviously not connected to the Halloween franchise, yet it's still called Halloween three above the title Season of and the Witch. Now fans have taken that as a kind of like a personal middle finger to them, but that's fandom does that they'll always be offended about things. So It was really good, I hate it. That's <laughs> fandom. Yes. And then so I, I, I just when you first saw that how did you react, were you like, Oh, that's a bit strange or no, just like oh cool.
1: Okay. I have no problem with it. I still don't. I know. Like, some people made the joke, like, oh, I wish I was watching a better Halloween movie. And eh, yeah. yeah, yeah. F- fuck them. Exactly. Like what? Halloween Resurrection? Trick or treat. Motherfucker. i watch this a hundred times before I'll fucking watch that again. <laughs> and if I do watch that again, it, well, I, it will be for this podcast. But if I do watch that again, it'll you know, only because I just lo- love the art direction. The set design and everything for the Myers House they recreated in it.
0: Yeah, all right I like how they did it okay <laughs> that's so, about
1: it so Ellie comes and meets uh meets him at the bar and talks about oh go ahead no, no, should so, so, take over
0: no, it's like, so she meets uh drunkie the protagonist at the bar <laughs> um and kind of says say, thank you for coming to the funeral you didn't have to and she's like well I felt like I had to and he felt that like he he was necessary for him to go there because he felt somewhat guilty or responsible for his father's her father's death and he felt like he didn't do enough and so he and she thinks there's some kind of foul play. Obviously, there's something a bigger, a fish, a, a bigger thing amiss amongst the death because somebody doesn't just go into a hospital, mash somebody's
1: face up, and then blow themselves out afterwards. She knows something isn't right based on <clears throat> a meeting he had gone to, because it turns out he uh, he runs what a hardware and toy store. Yes. Yep. He runs uh, like a hardware and toy store, and he went to. Uh, he went away. To go visit... The supplier of his toys. The supplier of his toys, and ever since then, nothing was right. So, the two of them, they go to his old store. She talks about, you know, how he grew up there and whatever, and they sell the silver shamrock mask there. He immediately... Dr. Chalice immediately recognizes the pumpkin mask. They look up his schedule and, like, his, uh... Itinerary. Register, itinerary, or notes. Talk about how he was going to go pick up an order for more masks. Mm. And how he was supposed to, to, uh... Meet someone for a dinner, and he never showed, and... Ellie basically thinks that he ran into trouble on the way to, on the way to or back from Santa Mira.
0: Right, that's where the town. That's the name of the town where the Shil- Silver Shamrock
1: uh, company is based out of. Conveniently, yes. <laughs> so the two of them decide to go investigate. So uh, Dr. Chalice, he has to, of course, call his ex-wife and get yelled at and say, "Oh, I can't pick up the kids again." Yeah. And he pretty much just, like, blows her off, hangs up on her, and takes his six-pack of beer, which he had with him. And goes, he's like, whoop,
0: he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going on a road
1: trip. See you later. Going on a road trip with, the, with this hot chick. I'll see you later. Yeah. And so, and then the, <laughs> we had a good laugh, and I said, oh, I wish it could be that easy. Yeah. And, just hang uh, up on your wife and run away with your beer. Exactly. <laughs> and so,
0: okay, I really do enjoy the score, and actually I do listen to this soundtrack a lot. Whenever I listen to Carpenter Scores, for some reason I'll, I'll put this on the most. It's not my favorite of his, but it's like so easy for me to like, kind of listen to. However, I mentioned this when we were re-watching it. Like the track is like the drive sent to Santamir, like the synth organ, you know, the, very uh, synth uh, organ. For some reason, it just really irks him to me, and I always skip that track. I do not know why. It just something this isn't like this is personally I do not like. And I, I I like like Chariots of Pumpkins is like is when he's being when. Uh, the father's being chased and everything, and I think that's absolutely amazing. and I enjoy that track so much. And this one's like, ah, all right. And I, I skip it and I go on to the
1: next one when they start to the, continue their investigation. But before then, they're driving to Santa Mirror. Well, I mean, the track is slow paced because it's a slow paced seat, it's a slow paced expositive. I don't want to say a montage scene because it is a montage of them driving on the highways so and yeah. they discuss, you know, oh, Silver Shamrock, they're, ba- ba- they're based entirely in the town of Mira. The whole town basically works for the factory. You know, it's a factory town, yeah. essentially. So they arrive there and everyone is just giving them dirty looks left and right. There's, there's every type of familiar shop you'd see, laundromat, markets, banks. Everything you would see they in They think a they're going to take their coal jobs away from them, so that's why they're giving them dirty looks. Oh. <laughs> we, avoid, we avoid politics. Oh, God, 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 We already got a political with, subtext with, with the fucking mechanic that bent over next to the fucking lubricated. Yeah,
0: tire. sure. It was too easy of a joke to pass up. That's Make why. Make Halloween great again. Exactly. <laughs> so they decide to stay up at a motel, and um, Patrick uh, McStereotype comes out to greet them. Yep. And a predominantly Irish
1: town because it's run by a, it's run by a man named Connell Cochran.
0: Yeah. And they, they like it's everybody's like predominantly like sounds like they're off the boat Irish um, with the exception of a few people. <laughs> yes. As the as the leprechaun from the Simpsons, as you reference <laughs> numerous times. And so they check in. And in the midst of while uh, Ellie is kind of distracting the, the- – He's giving Ellie
1: the tour basically. So right. Dan sneaks away, runs into the the um, office of the ho- of the hotel and yes. checks the register. And sure enough, Harry Grimbridge's name is signed in there. He stayed at that hotel. As he comes out, we are greeted to the um... – god, I forgot their fucking names already. Fuck. Uh fuck i forgot their names too the cup for family yeah the cup for
0: family and like
1: father um wife and son. son you're you're good they pull up in this fucking giant rv giant rv they're like a stereotypical fat american family yeah
0: and they're he they are um customers of cochran's uh that, that buy a lot of his masks and everything so they come to i presume they were invited or they were going to pick up another order or i, forget what I think they, they were is. invited okay and as we well, just watched
1: it, folks, so we totally remember, yes. our, you know.
0: Um they're just can't it. We'll get into that later. And, but, but, but at they, the same time Margaret
1: just, um just loud, loud, annoying, typical Americans that ride the you know, the kid rides his bike in the street out of control, the mother's screaming down the road, Don't you go in the road Yeah. All the father's like, hey, hey, I'm Mr. Kupfer from Kupfer's something. in he, he shakes people,
0: He shakes hands with two hands. Yeah. He's like one of those
1: enthusiastic people. Just like these people are just like an overwhelming energy that yeah. you just want to get the fuck away from. Exactly. <laughs> as immediately as possible. As he's trying to get the fuck away from me, he's almost hit by another car. Yeah. By uh, Miss Margie Goodman. Right. Who also is a customer of Connell Cochran's. She gets out of her car in a big huff. She's pissed off that her order's been lost. Right. And she has to stay another damn night in this freaking town. So he gets back and he gets back into his into his hotel room. He is just flustered beyond even worse than probably when, when <laughs> Mister Grimbridge dies. Exactly, he's this like places a zoo. Exactly, like there's all these
0: weird characters we have to deal with and everything. Like uh, he's he's he is flummoxed for sure.
1: Yes. So he mentions to Ellie that saw the father's name in in the register, and she wants to go tour the factory immediately. Him, he just wants to kick back, have his beer, <laughs> and hit on her. And successfully. Successfully. She thinks, oh, we should get another hotel. Or he, was it? He, he suggests it. He suggests getting another hotel, and she says, oh, that'll look suspicious.
0: Like, all right, I'll stay at the car. I'll stay at the, spend the night in the car, then. It's
1: basically, oh, no, that would be weird. You don't have, you know, it's basically, she's basically very subtly leading him on to uh, fucking. Yes. Which does happen. So, yes. at least I at least got that in yeah. <laughs> during this weekend of horror. Of course. And so, while the, um...
0: Before, like, as the, the sun goes down, we we find out that this town has a curfew and we have a cameo because we have, uh, because on, the town is monitored by video cameras. Heavily constantly, monitored
1: by video cameras, men in suits.
0: And as well as there's speakers all around it for a PA system and the voice it, of the PA system is Jamie Lee Curtis. It is very much
1: a Stepford wife town.
0: Seriously. Practically. It's almost like, it almost seems like a model town. Like yeah. they'd, they'd blow up in, like, nuclear tests or anything. Like, it just like... There's something really artificial
1: about it, and all the people are under control like robots. Yes, basically, they they, they shut the t- the town shuts down when they're told to. They look at outsiders with with complete and utter suspicion. Yes, and so
0: after uh, after nightfall, uh, Dan decides to go out and do some little investigating and snoop around the town a little bit. He comes across a bum. Who is a local to the town before uh, Cochrane took over?
1: Cochrane took over, and a huge exposition dump about uh, brought his own people in and wouldn't give guys like him a job. Yeah, so basically, they you know Cochrane brought his own people in, forced everyone out of this town, and now this guy's still bumming around. Yeah, Uh, yells out, "Hey, Cochrane, fuck you!" Because he's clearly wasted. Yeah. Chalice, who's out there, he's basically snooping the town with his freaking bottle of booze. Right. Which he, probably, he probably was out buying booze. But You don't I, really I, see,
0: like, what he's actually doing. We just see him, like, walking the streets. I, I feel like he was just trying to stoop around and find out what's going on. And he figured if there's a curfew going on, there's probably uh, at least a less of a chance of being discovered, despite the cameras being everywhere, and he yeah. figures somebody would be monitoring him, which there is because the bomb returns to his, his shack in the – uh, cardboard box.
1: The uh, silver in, Shamrock box.
0: The silver Shamrock box in the uh, junkyard, where we see Dick Warlock and another robot
1: uh, accost him and yank his head off. Yep, they basically they they kill this guy for insulting him. Yeah, they rip his head right off. They turn
0: into like almost a Pez dispenser, but they tear the whole head off. Yeah, and just for and I totally forgot about the fact that they yank off his head and they toss it away, and the the torso is still sitting there and it's got enough balance that it walks on these – there is a little bit of a blood spurt out of the neck. It's like, a tss, and then the body falls over.
1: But yeah, like right, like that's another example of saving all the gore for the death scenes only. Right. There's no bloodied, injured people throughout the movie. Exactly. And so the following day, well, let's get, no, no, we we gotta continue with one thing. Oh, okay. We, Dr. Uh, Dan, uh, bleh, Dr. Chalice gets back to the hotel room right. where Ellie has just gotten out of the shower and mm. is in lingerie. So they decide to go at it again. Yeah. Have a little fun. In the next room over, Mrs. Goodman, um, she's basically getting ready for bed, reading the paper, and as she was talking to Dr. Chalice earlier, she mentioned how, the, oh, this cheap mask, the little emblem on the back fell No, she,
0: went, she was talking to Ellie earlier. Ellie earlier. Okay. About, because about, Ellie went to go get wow, a Coke. Wow, we just watched this. This shows how uh, memorable yeah, this is. Yeah, so she went to go get a Coke, and she was coming back, and Mars popped up and scared her, spooked her, another jump scare, and realized, hey, the, the logo with the show of Shamrock... Um, Clover on the back, like or the shamrock. She say, "Is the uh, uh, fell off?" And it's like, "That's really cheap." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess." And she's like, "And she's like, oh, I'm gonna read them the riot act when I see them tomorrow, right, right, right." And so, and while she was getting ready for bed, the the logo, the little it just pin falls off the nightstand. Falls off the nightstand on the floor, and she realizes that. Gets up and decides yeah. to play with
1: it because there's a exposed like circuit board, yeah. yeah, on the back of it. So she pulls out one of her hairpins, starts scratching at it, scraping at it. All of a sudden, boom, this huge laser hits her right in the face. Yeah. Ellie and uh, Dan are disturbed from their sex. Momentarily. Momentarily. They get right back into it. Yeah. We're only here investigating a murder, folks, and something suspicious is now happening. So let's get back to having sex.
0: No, here. Personal story. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) In the the midst of being midst... Mid-coitus. How did uh, you point, almost die while having fun? I did not almost die, but did hear uh, neighbors arguing outside in the street at one point, And, like, we, st- my girlfriend and I stopped, and we kind of looked out the window. And they just kept arguing, like, all right, let's not get involved. And we just continued doing what we are doing. And we there kinda, you go. And they were like, we don't know. Like, luckily nothing happened. But they could have killed each other. We could have just been bumping away. So, like, and when we're, the police
1: came by, we said we didn't see hear, see or hear anything. No, like you didn't hear anything. Well, we were busy. Sorry. But that's no, when sorry. you guys should have started like screaming extra loud just to scare them away. <laughs> just let the whole neighborhood know what was happening. Uh, I mean,
0: the windows were open, so I guess we were not being that subtle. So
1: anyway, um, they realized the, and the ambulance doesn't show up for Marge. Um, Marge is well. Before we get to that, yeah. Marge, we basically see what happens. Marge pulls her hands away from her face. Her entire face has basically been like. Her her lips and mouth have been, like, split wide open. Her Mm. eyes are, like, bugging out. And then as she's, like, suffering slowly to death because she can't, like, scream. Yeah. This giant, like, millipede Millipede crawls out crawls out 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 of her face. So a couple hours later, an ambulance arrives to take her out. Everyone comes out to see what the commotion is. And no one will let Dr. Chalice... Look, because he says he's a doctor. They gave fake names, but he yeah. says, I'm a doctor. Let me help. And then, of course, you know, the, the hotel owner. Oh, I should get the fine, finest care of all. Yeah. up in like, the morning to eat Like, where are they going? The factory. Like, why would you go to the factory? Yep. At which point, a limo pulls up and Dr. Cochrane comes out. We're finally in. Uh, Dr. Cochran. Colonel Cochrane. Mr. Cochran finally yeah. comes out. We are introduced to him finally, played by Dan O'Hurley. Yes. Of uh, RoboCop. Uh, 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 he uh, runs Silver Shamrock and Detroit. And the funny thing is, he was also
0: in the Batman the Animated Series, the second Mr. Freeze episode. It's not Heart of Ice. It's another one where a industrial, like a corporate entity, like he breaks Mr. Freeze out of Arkham. And he wants to kind of like have the same process that, happened, that gave Mr. Freeze his his abilities, and like to be done to him so he can live forever inside the suit. And he voiced that character, so he plays another megalomaniac cor-
1: corporation uh, head. Which is odd, because you would think that the guy who played Robinson Crusoe would have... Oh my god! In the 50s, yep. Wow, I totally forgot about that. I remember that. waking up early for work one day, and that was on, like, Turner Classic or one, like the old movie channels, when he had a full head of black hair. Right. But yeah, so he comes in, he's, and he talks about don't worry. Uh, we'll take her to the factory. She'll get the best medical treatment money can buy. Yeah. He turns away, looks at his robots, and says, What happened? Misfire. Hmm. Dr. Cochran overhears this. Mm-hmm. Dr. Chalice. Dr. Like- Cochran. God damn it. Too many people <laughs> sees Cox <cocks> and chalices.
0: <laughs> and Dr. That- Chalice overhears yeah. this.
1: And now he definitely finds that there's something suspicious, and he's freaked out again. Right.
0: And so the following day, the... Ellie and uh, Dan decide to go up to the factory, posing as customers.
1: Periodically, Dan's been calling in Teddy to see what's been going on with the autopsy reports. Right. And to Teddy's surprise, she's saying, you're never going to believe this. Somebody must have screwed up something because she believes that she's been given a tray full of just car parts. Yeah. No organic human it's parts just, there it's whatsoever. Just
0: springs and...
1: Yep. Uh, and- she believes it's car parts. That someone screwed up the envelopes. Right. Right. And gave her the wrong thing. So she's going to continue doing her thing. But he's calling from the office phone, which he would, we do not find out until one later. of his later calls is bugged. Yeah. I wouldn't... With a town looking like that... I wouldn't have called... Use a local I would number. not have called her once. No. I would have waited until like, I got out of there. They were only going to stay for like a day or two or whatever. Right. I would have waited until I got back. Exactly. I would have never fucking done anything like that. That's, that was a stupid move on his part. Yes. Our dumb protagonist, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So they go to the factory... To investigate, they talk with the receptionist there. She looks up the order that Mister Grimbridge placed, and the receptionist there she finds the invoice for it and everything. They ask a uh, delivery boy who who uh, says he he unloaded that that to um, uh, an old man with a green station wagon. Ellie immediately realizes, okay, her father was here, right. But she doesn't know where to look next. They, yeah. They're basically still under the guise that, oh, we lost our, we lost that order. Yeah. They're basically posing as people working for the father. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Saying that we lost that, their order and knew they want to order another one. replacement. Yeah. And just no. At which point they try to leave. But then the, the goddamn Cupfer family, who if I live next door to them, I would go fucking postal. <laughs> I swear to God. They walk in.
0: How you doing? And yep.
1: And Dr. Cochran comes... Uh, Dr. Cochran, son of a bitch. Man, Jesus Christ, dude. Dr. Kevorkian comes out. <laughs> I mean, he's just as effective as Kevorkian, exactly. anyway. Mr. Cochran comes out. Who? Oh, how's everybody doing here? Yep. And he basically tells us that the Kupfer family, their business, sold the most masks that year, and they were given a personal tour of the factory. Everyone collapsed. Because if they don't, they'll probably have their heads pulled off, too. Yep. <laughs> so they invite, you know, Dr. Chalice and Ellie... Mm. along for the tour
0: while also saying that they despite the order being lost he's going to replace the order free of charge for, for,
1: free of charge he's willing to give this shit away what a great guy yeah you know, and covers like what a guy who knows who knows what a what a loss that might be to him but whatever you know share the wealth. exactly of all these masks so they take the tour in what i feel is a very important scene the tour of the factory where we really understand How the Silver Shamrock Factory gained, you know, the the power it did. Yeah, because if we find out it was initially a toy factory, toy and novelties,
0: and 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 we see we kind of like like it's almost like a, a museum a little bit of all their most prized. Products that they've made over the years. All
1: those classic, like mechanical toys that you may have seen, like your grandparents have, of like little characters, yeah, moving in different ways. It's all just mechanical, you know, wearing parts doing the same thing over and over again, right? All those novelties, you know, in this movie, Silver Shamrock, they were the innovators behind it. They did it. They invented all, and then when they got into practical joke stuff, you know, yeah. they invented like the whoopee cushion or sticky toilet paper. I think that, that, yeah, you know, so that's basically how they they became. A conglomerate a, because a, of that. A conglomerate and basically a staple of, of, of American culture right. as a result of that. And then got into, you know, Halloween masks. And we look as we're taking this tour and there's a whole row of different Halloween masks. But for whatever reason... It's only three types. Throughout the movie, we really only see three types. The skull, the pumpkin, and the witch.
0: Yeah.
1: Th- that kind of bugged me a little because it's like, how could the... Which one? You. <laughs> 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 it bugged me a little because it's like it, it feels a little lazy in the creative department when making that when
0: Cause I think it would be easier for them to mass produce them on the production standpoint to have three
1: well yeah the movie was made for only two and a half million dollars which is the
0: same budget they had for Halloween 2
1: but at the same time I, I kind of wish they would have expanded it a little because I feel it would I feel it would help with the believability that these masks are so incredibly popular because you're taking three of the most stereotypical Halloween masks yeah, they look nice, but you know what? There's other masks that might catch my eye, you know. Mm. And there's only th- fucking three of them. I mean, you to really think all the kids at school are going to be saying, "Oh, which one did you get? Oh, I got the witch. Oh, me too. Oh, she got the witch. Oh, yeah, and my friend also got the witch." And yeah, no, like, they'll be like, "Oh, you have the witch. Oh, do. you have the witch." It, it's the, it, you know, it's it's like South Park, Wendy in her Chewbacca mask. Yes, everyone came as Chewbacca. It's like, is that what we're supposed to be thinking? It worked uh, for South Park.
0: Yeah, I mean. I'm glad you didn't mask your feelings towards this issue, and you kind of,
1: like, we have to express yourself. Mm. So,
0: I mean, I understand. I'm going what- to mask you
1: with that plastic <laughs> bag on the other side of the room I see there. Before or after, hear me with the fluorescent light tubes. Wa- during. Okay. I'm going to suffocate you and beat you over the head with fluorescent light tubes. That's a- I would say that's, that's very extreme. That's the and- brightest idea I've had yet. Oh, very enlightening oh. for sure. <clears throat> <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I bet you feel real proud of yourself, right? Yes. There. Uh, but I understand why they have three masks because I think it's like, and you say like you say it's a stereotypical, but I think it's the most. I guess it's Halloween to its essence, like it's like some like would be like the, the classic iconography of Halloween. So I think it's why they went through those three designs. I I get where you're coming from because realistically they would want to make more because you probably have more variety for kids to p- pick up.
1: I'd buy into it more if, if those were three out of however many. Okay. You know, like I get it from a production standpoint, but I feel, it, I feel it affects.
0: You could have had one of a bunch of others that were also out. We just did not see them.
1: Well, or... we did. We saw them all in a row, but they were featured in like the in like the uh, oh, uh, Shamrock Museum. Yeah. And, and, while they were taking the tour. As well
0: as the ones that are in the being molded at the time as well. Well,
1: being molded was just, yeah, it was just the, the three. Was, was just the three being molded? was yeah, no just, other, the just the just three like, were okay. being molded. I mean, maybe if they could have said something. Like, oh, this year's are the biggest hit ever. We have these three iconic Halloween masks. You gotcha. Know? Maybe if you did a little more to explain that, but I feel like just having three of the most, you know, basic. basic. Paint by numbers type Halloween masks and trying to pass them off as being the most impressive thing that kids will. I mean, want.
0: it's almost as cliche as like the Nightmare on Elm Street video game where we have we have other oh we have spiders we have snakes and everything. It's like it's
1: like yeah like any old like two D horror game oh there's always bats yes yeah, you bats. go into a cave there's always bats and
0: there's always mummies yep.
1: and and such
0: yeah exactly and so and we find out that there's also a restricted area at the factory. I'm um, um, on the tour, but we're not allowed access restricted to. Restricted
1: area, and there's also something for the masks called final processing, which Cochran is not really all willing to divulge. It's no. one of the few things he's willing to divulge. He's given these people free reign of this place, except for what final processing is and where it takes place. Mm. During this time, as they go to the outside towards the restricted area and pass by it, Ellie notices out of the corner of her eye as they open up a garage door to load stuff out. There's a pretty familiar-looking car in there with, like, a little bit of a sheet over it. Yeah. She says, oh, my God, that's Papa's car. She goes running towards it. All of a sudden, they close the garage. The men in suits, which are peppered all over the place like frickin' armed guards. Which, I think Tommy Lee Wallace wanted to be all redheads
0: initially. Like, like it would be uniform that they were all gingers as a ginger <laughs> army that's that's trying to placate. But South, then, Bar- it, South Park. But, but we, as a society, would not allow that.
1: Uh-huh. And... We also didn't want our plans to be revealed that early, so that's why we. So you decided. had to wait for the South Park episode to reveal your plans. You guys were asleep uh, at the wheel on that one, weren't you?
0: Uh, at last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have a friend.
1: Oh, that's your plan to do something like the Phantom Menace? <laughs> all right, all right, we're, there's no worry there. I, <laughs> hey, I feel much the better.
0: Ep- the, the Empire was successful with their plans.
1: Okay, <laughs> thirty years, it didn't last long. It was, it was a terrible. Tyranny, but anyway. In that, mo- in that movie, the, nothing was successful about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Except that the exit doors functioned properly.
0: <laughs> and there was no railings or anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And so, Ellie makes a scene about the car. Which which Cochran brushes off to the comfort and says, oh, trade secrets. You know? Like, oh, can't go behind that door. Trade secrets. So, the two of them get back to the hotel room. They're fucking... They want to the fuck out. Like, they want to get, get the fuck out of there. Um... Chalice, he goes to the office to try and make a you know, phone call again. Mm-hmm. He's cut off. We get the operator. I'm sorry, operator, Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. He tries to go. He goes back to the hotel room. The room's open. Ellie's missing. There's a window open. He, Like, oh, shit, she's been kidnapped. And the robots show up. And the robots show up. He go, looks out the front door. There's four of them just standing there in a row in that, like... What? Almost silhouetted. Almost silhouetted shot that Carpenter loves using of people just scarily. Standing yeah, because
0: there. you point out like it happens here, it happens in Prince of Darkness, and happens in Assault on Precinct Thirteen is when like the gangs show up to surround the police department, and it's just like a, a kind of a uniform army that seems to be almost unstoppable. That it's like that the heroes have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so Chalice goes on the run. He goes diving at the back window of the bathroom, and starts running around town.
1: Gets, trying to get away,
0: tries to use a payphone. Same thing, no avail. Like, like the operator is not going to let him have make the click call, and decides to break into the factory because he figured that's where she's being taken. Um, brace in and uses one of the phones within the factory, and he's
1: able to get a hold of his wife. Well, that's, that's later on. Oh, okay. Gets a hold of his. W- well, fuck. Now I'm. Now I'm lost. I oh, edit like, this so badly. I no, leave all this in. Yeah, exactly. We can all see what hacks we are.
0: Oh, yeah. How we yeah, do this? So he gets to the factory.
1: Gets to the factory. Breaks in. Goes into this one room and sees this old little old lady sitting there, like like almost like stereotypical, like woman from the old world sitting there knitting. Yeah. Goes up to her, Where where's the girl? Where's yeah. the girl? Goes to shake her. Where's the girl? When he shakes her, her fucking head falls off. She's right. a machine. Yeah. She's a machine that's just programmed to sit there knitting. At which point he's accosted by one of the men in the suits, and mm. you know, a fight ensues. He tries to punch it, him, it doesn't was Dick work. Dick Warlock again. That wasn't Dick Warlock. That wasn't Dick Warlock. I don't think it was Dick Warlock. I thought that was Dick Warlock. That was Dick Warlock. I'm pretty sure that that was Dick Warlock, and the other guy earlier was not. That was Dick Warlock earlier. Assassin. Okay. He assassinated someone. Okay. All right, then.
0: And so he punches, uh, and amongst the struggle, he ends up punching in the stomach, which seems to work, and he keeps doing it over and over, and he ends up punching a hole through the guy's stomach. and does not reveal that he has blood
1: and organs and everything. He has wires, and he has this weird orange goo as the kind of internal liquid in him. I was actually frozen concentrated orange juice like that you see in the cans. Oh really? Yep. That's what they use for that just them like spewing it out as it's still kind of solidified before it's fully melted.
0: Huh. Because it just looked like kind of gross because I uh, amongst with the sound effects of it it does feel like like ooh that, that, that that's grody. And so Cochrane shows up and he's holding the head of the robot that he that uh, the the old lady robot that Dana just broke. And he tells him that like ah oh, it was from the seventh it was from uh the eighteenth century and like he was trying to get a German maid. German maid, and then he kinda of like, Oh, not Mrs. You're Dr. Chalice. He addresses
1: him by name because they had given a false name when they arrived. They're addressing him right. Dr. Chalice.
0: Yeah. And he um puts him in a uh, no that would be in Yes. He ends up putting him in a kind of a, uh Goes to Sam take him around to show him around the factory a little bit.
1: Basically, in you know, the James Bond, let me show you my evil plan.
0: Which is kind of cool at one point because, like, it's one long take for a while, where it's like it's a crane shot that has them coming down the stairs, and we pull back to reveal Stonehenge or part of Stonehenge as well as a bank of community monitors, and. Scientist on the work of something.
1: Now the Stonehenge thing. I swear to God, I remember the first time when I saw it. This is something we haven't talked about yet. We might, we, we probably should have, but this is how easy it is to miss. I feel. I swear I saw that because earlier in the movie, there's supposed to be some commercial or something. There was a news broadcast of Stonehenge being ki- uh stolen. Yes, it was a news broadcast. But what was it? Was it when the mechanic was watching it in the beginning? I believe so. Or if it was something that yes. I but think it's it was- so quick and you miss it that like the mechanic in the very beginning. Before Mr. Grimbridge, you know, you know, gets in there and, and he takes him to the hospital. He's watching TV. One of the things I believe, I believe it's that scene he's watching, is a news broadcast saying that one of the stones from Stonehenge was stolen. Right. How you do this I, in, the, in the span of a fucking day? I don't know. No. I mean, I guess people would
0: kind of chalk it up to, like, how do crop circles show up?
1: Was, they use the Fulton recovery system from Metal Gear Solid 5. Another Metal Gear reference. There, there we go. It's the, only, <laughs> it's the
0: only explanation.
1: But he gets it there. And all these guys are chipping away at it. You got another hey, guy Chip Chiperson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking home run there Chiperson. <laughs> he's, lo- he's a real motivator for the team. There. I love Jim Norton. Yeah, Jim Norton is Jim Norton's Norton's my hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of my many heroes. Uh, but Cochran explains that, you know, Stonehenge there's a great power to it. It's it's a magical stone and what they've been doing is chipping it away and in the little silver shamrock emblem that you put on the back of every mask there's pieces of it. Dust even,
0: particles, by the As he
1: says, even a single particle has a great power to it. That are That's what's basically put in the weird, like, circuit board that's on the back and attached to the masks. So he decides, let me give you a demonstration. Brings them over to the monitors. And as they're watching on the security cameras, the Kupfer family, the annoying fucking Kupfer family, yeah. are brought into this, you know, room. With no windows. It's, like, furnished, but it's, like, these, like, steel horizontal, like... Fake walls. It looks like siding. It looks yeah. like steel siding. If you were to take the siding on your house and just make it solid, metallic-looking steel and then just put curtains over it, that's his room. Yeah. And there's a TV in there. So, little buddy goes running for the TV, like, like
0: you Me know, too. the kids,
1: like the allegory we have. Right. Goes running for the TV. Mr. Kupfer, he but he's wondering... I wonder why he's not going to take any orders for next year because he likes to plan ahead. Yeah. He considers that he's part. Very,
0: he's a very efficient businessman like yeah. that.
1: Yeah. He, he said they were brought in here to hear some ideas. He's wondering why Cochran doesn't want to take any orders. And so
0: that's when Cochran decides to engage the commercial, again, of So Much Iron Rock, of the jingle that we heard earlier.
1: This is the commercial that will play during the big giveaway at right. the end of the night that they've been advertising.
0: And so it turns into the theme, like the like, – how many days to Halloween? This shows Shamrock theme, and then it goes into with well, an
1: announcer. The announcer for the commercial is Tommy Lee Wallace, the director himself, He's right. basically telling all the kids, "Put on your masks now. Watch, watch." And it's the pumpkin logo from the intro, and it right. starts flashing, bright flash on and off. So if, if the, his evil plan doesn't get him, the epilepsy will.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, I mean, be, I don't know if that that might kill a bunch of kids. Besides the what actually happens is if the mask transforms the head of the kid. I'm mutating it and killing him, and that's when bugs and snakes come crawling out of the mask that on the kid's head.
1: Yep, buddy puts on his mask. The thing is flashing. The pace of it, because the rhythm is still going. To do, 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 do. It's getting faster and faster and faster. You know, buddy, he's, he's like grabbing his head, and his, his head's starting to transform. And he finally he collapses. He lays there on the ground dead. And. It wasn't until I watched this on Blu-ray I really see how well this is done. He looked like fucking roadkill. Yeah. He's laying there. You could tell his mouth is wide open through the mask, which is starting to fragment. You could see his fucking eyeball still, which is wide open. Right. And all of a sudden, all these just bugs of all different types just come crawling out of his face. And then followed by snakes. Yeah. Mrs. Goodman collapses. I think she had a fucking heart attack or a stroke or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Kupfer, he he's like freaking out, and one of the snakes bites him, and the fucking poison kills him. Yeah, and the whole family's basically killed. This is what Cochran's big plan is. This is what this is what the big giveaway is. He's yeah. giving away death. Yeah, this is why he's so willing to part with an order of masks for for nothing. Get them all out there. Spread these masks out. Get everyone out there wearing them. Right. He's mostly going after children.
0: Yes, and then we find out the reason why after bringing Dan into a, like a holding cell, he asks him. him up-
1: he asks him why.
0: Because, uh, because, like, nobody does go to this effort to kill so many children specifically without any reason, and so we get the explanation. If you want to take this.
1: Oh, sure. The explanation, basically, is that Cochrane is from an old tribe, an old, you know, Celtic witchcraft-style tribe that used to vehemently celebrate the Festival of Samhain. Mm-hmm. Yes. As it's built. Yes. And how sacrifices were a huge part of this tribe's culture, and... There hasn't been a great sacrifice in so many years. 3,000 years, 3,000 years, he said, and the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Yeah. So Cochrane is the descendant from this old, you know, w- witch tribe. Witch tribe. And even, and that's the thing, though, it's fucking fun because I see some reviews that say, well, there wasn't a witch in there. Why? Because no one was riding a broomstick, you fucking assholes. Yeah. They say, Cochrane says, witchcraft. When he when no he says this is our craft this is Dan our craft and
0: Dan replies witchcraft
1: Chalice replies because I keep perfu- Chalice Cochran Chalice Cochrane. I keep yeah. per- confusing their names right Chalice says witchcraft basically so Cochrane is a descendant from this old tribe that used to practice witchcraft mm. in in the old Irish Celtic areas so. He also says the planets are in alignment. The time is right. Now we're going to bring. The time is now. The time. Is, your time is up. My time is now. You ca- you can't see me. My, my time, time is, is now. now. This is the
0: second John Cena so, represented in a row. Well, in these so shows. John,
1: when John Cena kills all the children and turns heel, finally. <laughs>
0: that's a, that's that's the that's the cue for the Mastico to go kill children. Yes, it's he, all the hustle and um, respect T shirts and all the merch is going to kill. Me. That's
1: why you see so much John Cena merch out there because it's building. Oh my up. God. And that'll be his big hill turn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy shit.
1: Wow. We're on to you, Cena. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think we see you, but we do. We see... We can see, see you. you. And so... And Cochrane <laughs> yeah. says, like, all right. The and planets he- are in alignment. Let's make this shit happen. So he turns on the TV. Halloween is currently playing. It's about... 40, 45 minutes. Till it's when
0: Lori goes over to check the Doyle.
1: Oh, yep. It's like 40, 40 to 45 minutes before the giveaway is supposed to happen. Yes. Dan, Chalice has 45 minutes to escape and stop. No, no,
0: no. no. It's an hour and 10 minutes because it was 7.50 when he was left.
1: Really? I thought it was 8.50. No. Oh, all right. And because it, it happens
0: at 9, it was 7.50 because by the time he gets out of the room, it's like 8.10. he right. Because you come back to the clock because uh, Chalice is, is tied up. And he has one of the skull masks put on to on top yep. of him.
1: To basically kill him when the fucking time comes. It, it, it's your classic – it is your classic Bond villain where mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you in this elaborate trap that's going to take a while to kill you. Yeah. You stay here and enjoy your death, Mr. Bond, while yeah. I go continue with my evil plot. He it, it really is very much a Bond villain. Yes. And so – he should recycle this plot for another Bond movie. I mean, probably
0: <laughs> – I mean, It so would for, work. So, for some reason, I'm just thinking of – Austin Powers, like, I have a gun
1: in my room.
0: I can go then, shoot him, bam, and he's done. Scott, you just don't get it. You just don't get it, do you? You don't.
1: So Conor Carpenter goes to check on the sharks with freaking laser beams attached, attached to their yes. heads. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they are working. Um, everything's going to plan. Chalice uh, manages to escape by kicking in the TV and using a piece of the glass tube, which that could only happen in that day. If he were doing that now, he'd be fucked. Yep. Basically takes a piece of the glass from the TV screen, cuts his way loose, throws the mask over the uh, camera. Yeah, with a million to one shot. Yes, and he's still – his upper body, he's like tied in three places. He's got a restraint around his neck. Around his like biceps and chest, and then one around like his waist and stomach. He gets right. the waist and stomach one, and he only has like his forearms to move. His yeah. arms, is to- and he somehow manages to throw a mask across the room and up onto a camera.
0: Yeah, don't mean- it?
1: movie magic, folks. Exactly, movie magic. Speaking of movie magic, after that, he, he escapes through vents because events. You, you don't escape through vents. Yeah, because- this is coming from someone who worked in New York City in HVAC. Yeah, so, you don't
0: do that because it, would, it wouldn't, size wouldn't have the weight of the person would break the vents. It'd be either too hot or too cold. Yes, but he does not and, and
1: if you were allergic to dust, you'd be fucked. Exactly. <laughs> you'd come out covered in fucking dust. That's when he calls his wife, right? Yep. He escapes to the roof, goes along the roof, manages to sneak his way back in the building. At this point, um, Cochran has been alerted. The whole reason why you know, like he didn't see the escape, like he obscured the camera. The robots who were in the main control room noticed it, but Cochran was currently on the phone with like one of the station directors, I guess, because he, mm-hmm. he was talking about 45 share that they were expecting right. in the ratings, and you won't be disturbed, giving uh, Chalice ample time to escape.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By the time they noticed he escaped, he was already out. He was already back in the building. They were looking for him. The search was on. He finds a phone nearby and uh, since it's like a phone inside the factory chances are it's not bugged i i
0: probably and he probably had to press 9 first before to dial out because you know like how most like like buildings and everything sure. like, so especially so- schools you have to hit 9 before you can dial
1: out and But regardless basically he calls his he calls his ex-wife <clears throat> frantically telling her to get rid of the shamrock mask you hear her just yelling at him over the phone he's telling her Sh- shut, up, shut up shut up you know that like something's wrong with him? she thinks he's drunk
0: yeah i mean and, and, and how he's been such a, has such an attitude and so laissez fair and so Blase, I should say, over the past it.
1: two weeks about taking the kids.
0: Yeah, so she has, she wants none of it, and especially with him, like seems to be half in the bag, calling her, and she yells at him, and then hangs up on him, and does not follow heat his warding.
1: And I did hear her saying, "You're just jealous that I got those masks for the kids," because he's trying to tell her get rid of the shamrock masks. Yeah, and I heard that right before she told him, "Go to hell, click." Yes. And so, so he he knows that that ain't fucking happening. He's got to find another way. So he's got to find Ellie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He finds her, and she she's like surprisingly gets gets her out of her restraints. And she's surprisingly quiet. It could be she's just been restrained for so long. Yeah, he's very much leading her by the hand. It, 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 it's almost like freaking Eco for on PlayStation Two now. How he's leading her through here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice
1: reference there. Thank you.
0: Uh, and so then that's when Chao decides to. Turn the machines against him by going – like sneaking into
1: the, the... – He finds a plan basically. Yeah. He sees He sees boxes full of these – the little uh, Shamrock logos with the Stonehenge particle in them. Right. So he gets a plan. He sneaks up, very Solid Snake-like, another yeah. Metal Gear reference. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put as many as I can in here because I've been playing it again lately. Right. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Manages to turn, turn the commercial on in there. And the robots are having, or for whatever for, for whatever fucking reason, the robot they're they're just playing with the computers are in front of. It. It's like he did it from the panel, like right behind you, just the one he you used before to kill the family. Walk two fucking feet behind you. Five buttons, like three, click, 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 st- click. three steps. And give just, me three steps. Give me three steps, Mister. Yeah. Give me three steps for this horror. Yeah. I
0: mean, I mean, I mean—it's clearly just—it's—it's it's, it's swamp music to them. That's how—that's how baffling it is. So while the commercial's going on, his plan very
1: easily comes to fruition. He takes
0: the box of the the logos upstairs, above to the uh, walkway above the whole Stonehenge hedge and all the computer banks. And that's when Cochran looks up as. Dan pours them
1: out over everybody in the area. Cochrane not screaming! Turn that shit off or stop him, you fools! Right? He just kind of lets like he's just like looking at. He's looking at him like bemused. Like, he's looking at him at first pissed, like like someone at a store told him we're out of what you're looking for. Yes, he had that look. Chalice, he pours all these medallions out over them, and they all react to the commercial and the Stonehenge Rock, the big Stonehenge Rock that's there, and electrify all the fucking robots. Yeah. The robot the, men. The robot
0: men are going up the stairs to stop them, as well as the, the scientists that are working down there. And eventually, Cochran's the only ones left standing. Uh, Dan
1: and Ellie run away. He looks at. The, he basically looks at them now amused and starts clapping at them, puts his hand down, and all of a sudden, the, sto- the big Stonehenge Stone starts reacting. It like envelops him in this ring of light. And his whole body, like, starts turning whiter, or white, like, like, like it's turning to stone, stone. And then just disappears.
0: Yeah. it' Weird. Thoughts? I, I mean, it's... Opinions? all <laughs> I, I, well, the lights and everything going on, I thought Zool was going to come back, and it, she didn't, or it didn't, I should say. And I I, I really do not like the stone uh, Cochrane. I do not like how his face looked. It didn't look nothing like him. Shit. <laughs> It was, it was it just of, like a dopey
1: face. I'm trying to think of who it looked like cuz it really did look like someone. Yeah, but it was not it did not look like Daniel Harris. And so that, uh,
0: while the he disappears and the stone is reacting to everything else going around. It uh, sets the
1: computers are blowing up everything. Yep. The
0: factories in flames
1: at this point. Factory the factories engulfed in flames and it, it, I would I'd say it was a poorly composited shot. I mean, hell, you can see even it's See. It's very 80s.
0: You can even see in the corner of the screen you could see um the outline yeah not not the outline there was like a blue like um almost like a string just like kind of dancing back and forth between the frames Uh, and it was obviously from the the optical process and some dirt must have gotten in there and it was probably like we can't really do anything that's why you you say you you watch like the old star wars movies like or like they'll shoot on 65 millimeter or this division and when they do all the optical effects and there's so much great grain and such durable grain in that high format is when it Goes through all those effects, and when it's whittled down to a new negative on 35mm, everything's crisp. That's why, like, some movies... Kind of like not- Super sampling. Yeah. I mean, and then you have... Like, same thing they did VistaVision for Robocop. That's why ED-209 looks so fucking good in that movie. And so, Dan and Ellie get in the car, and they race out of there. Now they have to try
1: and stop the broadcast. Somehow. She- Ellie, she's still very quiet, just looking out the window. Him, he's covered in sweat, just panicking. All of a sudden... She just very calmly turns her head towards him, and then he looks at her, and she attacks. Yeah. Ellie attacks him. Yeah. And that's when, like, we realize, oh, my God, why? And she causes the car to crash the into crash a crash into a tree. Somehow, an uncle flying through the fucking windshield. Yeah. This, I was, don't like, think pre- this is a pre-airbag car. Yeah. It somehow, he climbs out. Her arm is still also holding on to the door, oddly yeah. enough. He gets out. He comes around. You know, the trunk had been popped open from the force of the accident. Right. He gets back by the trunk. She attacks him again. She's choking him. He picks up a tire iron that's in the trunk, hits her with it, backs up. Her arm is missing, and there's, like, a robotic, like, wire or crank sticking out of it, and she starts, like, pussing out the uh, orange robot goo out of her mouth. And he
0: decapitates her, pretty much, with the tire iron. Oh,
1: my God! Vanessa's a
0: (laughs) Machine gun jubblies? How could I miss those? You probably gonna tried foreplay. Right. Oh, my God! And then she starts firing at him. And so... Ellie's a robot.
1: Ellie's a robot. He had the camera. Ash is a goddamn robot! So, but the thing is, like, when did she become a robot? Was Cochran preparing for this? Did he start making an Ellie robot before? Was he casing her house? I, I, I kind of really feel like the third act falls apart. Okay, that... It's
0: one or two... Oblique or, or overt references to say to in Don Siegel's um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers because in that movie and like how Tommy Lee Wallace was trying to describe this movie he does not describe Halloween 3 Season of the Witch uh, as a knife movie it's a pod movie where people are kind of slowly repl- like some people are replaced by robots and in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers spoilers the main female star um, is turned into a pod person at the very end and Kevin McCarthy is, like, is shocked by this. They don't have, like, an altercation like this. But they obviously amped it up for this movie for Halloween 3 because she's turned... We find out she's a robot person. I I presume she was kidnapped and killed at the motel. I don't think she's a robot the entire Did he time. Get it
1: turned her into a robot that
0: quickly? I mean, I guess he's that efficient at this point. I mean, otherwise, why
1: would he let him get that far already? I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me. Yeah. And so he kills her. Maybe it should have been something where, like, Ellie was really, like working for Cochrane all along, and, like, right. she sold her father out. Like, he managed to basically just, like, f- you know, fill her with all this fucking witchcraft shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, she turns on her father to... You know, like, that's why her father, like, got as far as he did, because of her finding out what was going on. Because that's basically what happened to Mr. Grimbridge. He found out Cochrane's plan and fucking tried to escape and warn everybody and was killed for it. Right. She could have been a factor in that. Mm-hmm. There could have been something like that, but there, there isn't. It's, it's very... It's an homage to a movie with a poor setup that pretty much kills all execution.
0: Yeah, and so he kills Ellie. And he manages to get all the way back to the gas station where the movie opened. Yep, he meets the same mechanic there.
1: Yeah, just as frantic and panicking, this mechanic's starting to think, probably thinking I should move.
0: Yeah, because there's just so many people in this w- a little over week time. Uh, two people have shown up in such frazzled states and like babbling about crazy things. Uh, Dan asks to use the phone. And he calls, I forget who the hell he does. He goes. calls the
1: TV, probably major TV station. Right. The or, is or, or, or probably um, some broadcasting affiliate, somebody, because, you, ha- you know, you have multiple channels. Maybe even he called the FCC. Yeah. And say to pull <coughs> the...
0: the pull sh- the commercial. Commercial.
1: They don't believe him. They're saying, is this a bomb threat? He's like, sure, call it a bomb threat, whatever you want. Just stop the commercial. Yeah. It's 9 o'clock now, the commercial starts playing. And kids, who are also trick-or-treating, come into the mechanic, they come into the shop... And yep. the, the mechanics trick or are treat.
0: dandy, and they're trick-or-treating. And the kids, one kid goes up to the TV expecting the big giveaway.
1: We've seen, we've seen earlier, when he was tied up, the montage of kids from all over the country with their silver shamrock masks.
0: Right, and there's one, two things. One, um, there is a kid on the bike uh, with a witch mask and running, uh, rides past a um, shop, and it says Landis... Uh, launch mat or something I don't know if it's a reference To John Landis yeah, or not maybe. And then One of my favorite shots Of the movie is It's like It's on the poster It's the Silhouette of the kids In yes. the foreground In the city in the background And it's like As the sun goes the, down I think it's
1: like The hills of LA
0: Yeah And I, whenever I think Of this movie Like that image Always comes to my mind yep.
1: First So he's watching this broadcast Telling him Please take this off the air First channel Takes it off the air he Clicks to the next one Commercial still playing you know, technical difficulties. Second one takes it off the air. Third channel, it's still playing. Over the phone, he's now paying... The third channel, they're still playing. Please, you gotta stop it. There's no time. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop he's it. He's yelling frantically over and over again. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Cut to credits.
0: Just like Invasion of the Body no, Snatchers, it ends No. Work. No. Yeah. No, because Invasion of the Body like, he ended up screaming the camera, like, the original cut, anyway, is that he has... Uh, Kevin McCarthy in the middle of a highway is trying to stop people and warn everybody. And the camera's at a Dutch angle. He's like, they're coming! They're here! You're next! And that's how the movie ends. In how it was a re-edit of it, it's like they show him at the hospital uh, being ter- uh, cared by, from doctors. Like, oh, don't worry, we took care of that. Everything's fine. Everything's like all that's contained in that one town. And kind of just like a very fluffy, happy ending for that movie, and seems kind of uh, contradicts me to the rest of that movie. Maybe I'll talk about Invasion of Bionationals later on, but as so the movie ends, and how do
1: you how do you feel about the first time you saw that this ending? Um, I was satisfied. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not one for bad endings or sad endings. If I feel it's, if there's a payoff to them, um, I do feel like it was left ambiguous because we don't actually see. You know what? Like they may have shut it off at the last second. We don't. We don't see the aftermath. There's no epilogue. It just leaves us. It leaves us on that cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, as you know, I'm a stickler for epilogues. Right. That's my,
0: that's my next question.
1: I did feel satisfied with the ending. That because you think of a plan of that magnitude, and I mean, we'll get to the, the fucking logistic difficulties of, of that when there's four fucking time zones in the country.
0: <laughs> if and, it's not being done internationally.
1: Yeah. So like, you're pulling that shit off, you know. Um. But I, I, it, it really did make sense that a plan that was put that far back, that even though he did kill the fucking people responsible for it, there's no way there's one guy alone in, you know, what, an hour and a half we had? An hour and ten minutes? Could mm-hmm. fucking stop this from happening. Yeah. Because no one will believe him. No.
0: And so... And... And today, do you still think that that ending still holds up? Yes. Okay. And... As a person, like because
1: you kind of get well, here's the, the thing though too with the ending. Sorry to interrupt, no, that's okay. but like, I, I look at it from my own personal tastes. I don't look at it from like a, a modern audience person point of view, where like you know how modern audiences may not feel the greatest about sad endings these days because everything now is a freaking superhero movie, and mm-hmm. the good guys always have to win in the end, even if there is something bad left over for the next one. Right. But to have like a truly like cliffhanger downer ending. For today, that all depends. I feel on personal preference. I mean, I mean,
0: it, that's why ugh, I'll get. In, I'll say that for another review, but I feel like in the times like now, where there's so much social unrest, that I think people are trying to cling to happier endings. Yeah, and so and especially in this day and age, I think that's that's appropriate. And I guess maybe in times of prosperity that something like that would work. I mean, like then again, this came out in the early '80s. It's like. The beginning of Reaganomics and everything like that—you feel like people who kind of kind of flocked to
1: that. It was still when it was pretty, when things were pretty fresh. Yes. Before before the real effects of Reaganomics took hold. Right. Kind of thing, when everyone was still all hopeful, and I, I kind of feel like audiences today, and I, I mean, I'm not trying to accuse people of shit. I'm not trying to stereotype and say, oh, people today or whatever. Yeah. But it's like I kind of do feel like today, if you don't see an ending, you almost feel like you didn't get an ending. If you don't see like okay, this is finished. What what happened? What the result is like like a, a down cliffhanger ca- almost can't work. I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not always. Like I said, it depends on who you are.
0: Right. I mean, like the most like recent like horror movie that did that that I've seen um, was uh, in 2016, Don't Breathe, where uh, spoilers: the bad guy is still alive and the characters have gotten away, but it definitely it's open to the fact that, like this. Person could still try and pursue the main characters in a sequel, and I think the sequel is going to eventually happen.
1: Did you see that they got away? With yeah. this, you don't know if people got it away. It literally
0: just it cuts to
1: black. Yeah, you don't know, right? And so, my
0: feelings is I think I think this movie, I think that ending is appropriate for this movie. Yes, and the tone it's going for, and, and the whole theme of kind of fear of. People empowering, especially corporations. I mean, the question—the question, authority, and not just to blatantly accept social norms, or they're just norms that like people would like. Oh yeah, it's just like what we've always done. Why should we rock the boat in any way?
1: And also say that TV may kill you one day. Yeah, Literally. which is which is
0: funny coming from people who are visual storytellers.
1: Visual storytellers, but I mean that was the era of don't sit in front of the idiot box all day. You'll hurt your eyes. You'll do this. You'll get dumber. Whatever. I read mean, a, read a book, which that's still relevant today. Yes.
0: I mean, hell is even it was it was like I think it's like the explanation of why Jim Carrey how he is and the cable guy.
1: Oh yeah, because he spent his whole life in front of the fucking TV.
0: Yeah. I mean, and like with no like little to no
1: social interaction.
0: No um, parenting.
1: No. And That's then, if anything, that that part's more relevant than today than than ever before. Because look at how like TV and video games are electronic babysitters, yeah, and have been for such a long time.
0: I, I'm not going to deny the fact like I had I had a game where for a long time, and I had, I mean, I I know we're all addicted to the addicted to the screens, especially since we have phones with us at 24 seven. Yep. So I'm no more. I'm I'm not saying like oh I'm not like that. Like I am totally like that, and so it definitely seems. Would you say this is more relevant, pre- uh, relevant now than it was been it first released?
1: Definitely, I just feel like its execution may come off as a little dated because it's just a TV. Yeah, and you, it's like you just see, like if it's if you were to remake this or or just take like the the plot, re- recycle this plot, mm-hmm. and have it be with like fucking just people on their phones or Netflix or say, oh, this tune in to this website at this time, you know, we'll be so we'll be showing you this, you know, sign into this. Uh, whatever. It could be like YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. that you could watch on your TV or your phone or your tablet or whatever device. Right, And then it'll have the, the flashing thing that kills you, you know? Mm.
0: And so, how do you think this movie works as a horror movie, taking away the
1: name Halloween from it? Well, I mean, taking away... Leaving the Halloween name with it doesn't bother me one bit. Okay. That's the argument that people make. Oh, if you just took the name Halloween away, it would have been better. It's like, it would have been fine because it, it had more in common with the the, the holiday Halloween mm-hmm. than fucking the previous two did. Right. Because, like, like, Halloween was only called
0: Halloween because it was originally called Babysitter Murders. And it was only earning your blondes, like, kind of want to
1: tie it around to a holiday. Like I said, if you put a fucking rabbit mask on them and call it Easter, use the same plot, it would be exactly the same movie. Exactly. It's completely fucking incidental, the Halloween it takes place on. This However... This makes an effort. Yeah. To to incorporate that in it, and there there are so many dark. That's why Halloween is so many people's favorite holiday. Holiday because it's a originates from a dark holiday. So yeah. now we're finally incorporating that. I have no qualms whatsoever with that. Right. And season of the witch title, the subtitle that we went into. It's all this plan is being done by someone who is a descendant from a witch tribe. Okay. If it was no, if you took the three way, but it was
0: just Halloween
1: season the witch. At that point, it. It might have worked Wait, better. Is, like,
0: is that negligible or not?
1: It might have worked better, but at that time, probably not. Because we really weren't at the point yet where you had – well, you might have been – I can't name any examples off my head where you didn't have non-numbered sequels because this was the era where like, massive amounts of sequels really were beginning to take shape.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, like, most ridiculous
1: subtitles to me is
0: Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yes, I, mean, I, I always find the first just-
1: blood, Rambo, first blood part two, Rambo, Rambo three, Rambo. Rambo. Yeah, they fucked themselves. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: And it's always that that, that name system always arcs for that series for me. Uh, but you were saying,
1: I, I for, for me, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Being called a Halloween movie, it no. really doesn't. And when I watch when I watch these films, when I marathon these films, which I fucking love doing, yeah. And when I used to watch AMC's Fear Fest every October and on Halloween night. Oh, uh, Halloween night. On Halloween throughout the whole day they would show the entire series, you know, at the time 1 through 8 or 1 through yeah, 1 through 8. Mm-hmm. Fucking Resurrection. God damn, it should be 1 through 7. <laughs> they would show it 1 through 8. They did that for a couple of years in a row and I remember fucking like requesting off work cuz I could get I was young and could get away with that or just hoping I wasn't working so I could w- sit there all day and watch it. And I loved how Halloween 3 I felt was the perfect break in between the ten year continuity gap of two and four. Yes. Of the Michael Myers. Story. I'll agree to that. And the fact that like it deserves to be called a Halloween Halloween movie because like we said in the beginning, look at how many people that made one and two possible came back for this as well. That that core team that had such a great hand in making one and two great movies were, we're back for this. Mm-hmm. It has the Carpenter look and feel, you know, the 35-millimeter Panavision. Yeah, it's photog- look. And photographed by Dean Condy Photographed by Dean Condy music by Carpenter and Alan Howarth, yeah. produced by Deborah Hill, executive produced, Ernie Blondes. Yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace now directing. He's changed hats a few times. Right. But it's that core group of people that made, you know, the original and its sequel happen. It, des- it deserves... To be called a Halloween movie, it deserves to be in the Halloween series.
0: And I know a lot of people like to say, like, this is a bomb. Like, no, it wasn't. Like, it would not make as much as Halloween 1 and 2. Like, it was made on its budget of $2.5 million, but I think it made... Made it was, over $14 million. Yeah, like, sure.
1: It was not a... That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a success. I would love to make seven times off an investment. Exactly. I mean... If I, guess, I invest a dollar, I'll be happy if I make $7. Right.
0: And so... Like, I I not like they kind of like want to downplay, like oh, it was a huge financial flop. Like I don't say, like it was not the runaway success they wanted. And, and critically, it was kind of pandered.
1: Critically and, it was pretty pandered. Like like uh, Robert he- like, didn't like it. A lot of people said, oh, it's anti-Irish, it's yeah. anti-consumer, it's anti-television. Right. Oh, the plot is stupid. They could never make all this happen. It's like yeah, it has its pro- it, it does have its problems. Right. It really does. Like we said, it does really start to fall apart around the third act. But by that point you're so freaking engrossed in the mystery that you're brought into mm-hmm. and they do a good job of explaining that mystery every time we get to the explaining parts yeah every time we get to exposition and they don't shove expo- too much it's not like Dark Knight Rises where you guys sit there and oh my god did I did I missed that one line of dialogue that might have been exposition yeah no they like they they break it up break up the exposition very nicely until mm-hmm. you get to the third act I, I I feel like after chalice escapes that's where things kind of start going really going downhill
0: yeah I, I mean okay with that like sure there's tension of him escaping but like there's no real stakes
1: well the stakes are he's like, got he to stop him
0: but like it's like because good storytelling is intention and obstacle like i have to do this but this is preventing me from it so this, this is how i this is how i have to overcome it and it's kind of like how like with this video of um uh Trey Parker and Matt Stone how he, they break down a story like like a, character a wants to do this but this happens, therefore they have to retaliate like this. And so and then there's another retaliation and it's back and forth, so there's a cause and effect in it. And I feel like, sure, they're sneaking around and they may get caught, but like once he's found out, like and he's like, Oh, stop him. It's just like it's so Oh yeah, we'll get him. They slowly go after them. There's no real head there's no real pace and uh, not pace, but there's no real On Cockrane's part, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. the robots part, I mean like it should be thrilling, but it's like like, kind of bleh.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, all right. Kind of you know. like just reach o- reach over and turn that that turn that one dial to turn the freaking thing off and it and yeah. will catch his ass. Exactly. And it's Instead just of ridiculous. just frantically looking at the shit they're in front of, pointing at it like that's good doing it. Yeah, there's doing. no
0: real stakes to it. And no. so And and like, sure, there's stakes when he fights Ellie later on and trying to stop the broadcast, but it's just that part. But like, Ellie's
1: set up so fucking poorly with her roboticness.
0: Right. And going back to what we were saying about like the Halloween name, I think... Yes, it, it, it is different, and I do wish it was more – I wish this was successful. Okay, <laughs> because we're getting to the other uh, sequels. Say this was the success they wanted, and we never saw Michael Myers again, would you be upset?
1: Um. Well, I don't think I'd be able to because it wouldn't have – it wouldn't have happened with more Michael Myers, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like the first – I always come back to the first one. The first one I watch more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And as I said in the last one, this, the sequel, Halloween two, I feel follows it up not perfectly but so well that it's – almost well enough that it's almost required. Mm-hmm. Like I need that epilogue. I need that second part because I cannot accept the fact that The boogeyman being shot out of the window will fucking stop him forever,
0: right? And that, oh yes,
1: he's still out there, but like, I, I, it's like you need that, you need to know what happens next. Yeah. So if there were only ever two Michael Myers Halloween movies, I think I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, as as we will get into in the later. Uh, podcasts we do, you know, Donald Pre- Pleasance, his last three performances as Dr. Loomis, mm-hmm. I feel are the highlights of those. Right. We wouldn't have had those, which would make me sad, you know?
0: Yeah, it is totally coming from hindsight and everything. And It's funny, because if you want a horror anthology series based around Halloween, there is a YouTube series called The Witching Season, and they made five films, and it's all anthology-based. It's like Each one, each episode has its own story, and it's all based around halloween and it's halloween centric there's there is halloween like paraphernalia everywhere throughout and so if you want to see like a horror anthology series based around halloween go to youtube and support Witching season films and they have a feature film coming and so and watch trick or treat trick or treat which is another is
1: halloween based anthology
0: or halloween based anthology and is i think it's fantastic and the blu-ray is Gorgeous because you have
1: it. Yes, I do. You gotta bring it over sometime. Yes,
0: I need to get that. I also need to get Crampus on Blu-ray because the same guy who did Trick or Treat did that. And I think I had a cramped
1: ass the other day.
0: (laughs) And the the score is fantastic in that. And so we need to talk about Trick or Treat later on. And so
1: favorite scene, least favorite scene. Probably favorite scene is Cochran's speech. About the explanation why he's doing it. Really describing like where the dark roots of Halloween come into place and how finally for the first time in this, in this series they do. And interestingly enough, the novelization of the original Halloween begins with a uh, prologue chapter that takes place in ancient Ireland where uh, a curse from some disfigured young man who, you know, murdered a princess – after uh, she rejected his his unrequited love, and he murdered all these people, he was violently killed by a mob, and a curse was placed on him where his spirit could never rest. And that's where Michael Myers comes from. Huh? Yeah, but that was also when you know the movie was still being made, and Carpenter said, "Here's my script. Make a book out of this." Interesting. When this was still just like a one off movie, hadn't even been released yet, you know. At but we um, but well. we will we will get to that too when we get into our Halloween uh, our Halloween and other media episode or whatever. Yeah. Our, our, Halloween extended episode. Right. And Lee's favorite. Oh, shit, man. It's probably a toss-up between the robots not turning around, w- reaching over one foot to turn off a fucking control panel, which could have saved their lives, and Ellie being a robot. All right. I wasn't a fan of its execution. It just came out of nowhere. I get what it's an homage to, but I feel it was not in service to this plot.
0: It's so funny because I think it the... Either- Probably, like, I, I do like uh, Margaret's death. I mean, like, her getting zapped and, like, and just so fucked up. It's, like, unaware of what's going on in the next world. Oh <laughs> and,
1: yeah,
0: I mean, I, I also love Cockroach's speech because Daniel Harris is just a fantastic actor, was a fantastic actor, and I love that speech. And, yeah, I think, like, just that the stakes of him trying to stop them from doing their business at the end with the machine and the Stonehenge uh, is Kind of just like there's no stakes here. It's, no,
1: v- it's very quick and it's almost like a letdown. Yeah, there's
0: no tension in that. And but I do like there's one shot. It's like an overhead shot, looking down on the devastation after he's killed everybody. And so within like the rectangle frame, you have like the circle of the computer banks and the bodies all around it. It's just a really nice composed image. And there's another there's, there's a website and, and and Twitter called One Perfect Shock where they'll Pick a, a frame from certain movies, and they'll put like the direct. They'll put the frame up on Twitter, and they'll put the director and the cinematographer on it. And they they've done that, and they've done the like the silhouette shot of like the kids on the hill for both from Halloween three. And so, uh, final thoughts on
1: season of the witch. Oh, well, I feel that they should have included that one deleted scene where Dan O'Harely looks. At the dead child and said, "This could look bad for Silver Shamrock. Get your best spin people on it, Johnson."
0: <laughs> and
1: you see that, like, <laughs> you, you should. That's when Miguel Ferrer should have came up to
0: him, mean, like, while the the is kind of broke breaking out, like, after, uh, "Excuse me, sir, but uh, actually, there's, the, my RoboCop uh, program is, is the Robo Monster <laughs> plan I have is a contingency against this a situation like this." And that's when uh, Dick Jones was like, "Thank you very much, sir, but we'll have we'll, we'll be talking Dick. about the." Maybe we need a fresh perspective. Tell me your ideas. How fast can you get a presentation
1: ready in twenty minutes? Thank you, sir.
0: <laughs> and that's what after the after Robo monster is working. Miguel Ferrer is like, I really like that guy.
1: <laughs> with a, with with no uh, reverb on his voice whatsoever.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. And so I say, I say, let him crash. No, not from airplane. Um. I say, if you haven't watched this yet, and if you got to the end of the review, I say... What the fuck is wrong
1: with you for listening to this first and watching it?
0: But, like, people who may have missed it or skipped it because it's not Michael Myers, I say, still check it out, and you might discover a gem that you may enjoy, and it's something that you'd want to watch in a marathon as you're going through all these
1: movies. It has become more and more accepted and loved as a cult hit in later years. Yes. It really has.
0: I mean, like, even to the point, like, there's, like, a lot of t-shirts about it. Like, Fright Rags has a bunch of t-shirts yeah. as, well as I think they've even made the masks. Oh, yeah? I'm pretty sure they've made, like, some... There must have been some company that must have made a deal it was, with Universal. It was the...
1: Well, it was the Don Post Studio that made it. Okay. Don Post Masks. Okay. Originally, so I'm sure they have that shit. They could sell it themselves.
0: I mean, if they still have the molds. They
1: probably do. Probably. And so, yeah. And I say check it out, and... If you would like to watch it at home, I mean, it's been released on DVD a couple times. I used to have a, a two pack of uh, by Universal of two, Halloween two, two and three. three, two and three. Um, that? Get uh, th- there recently was re released by Universal. I have not checked that one out. I just know it is bare bones, no special features whatsoever. The best way is Shout Factory's Blu ray release. We're
0: not, we're not, spa- we're not paid. By shout factory that we're just we would fans. like to be yeah i
1: say if they want to us, pay us to plug their stuff we will we will gladly be their their freaking cheerleaders yeah I don't care I'm fine with that I'm gonna tag shout
0: factory in the post by by upload this, no, no. fuck not but
1: shout factory's Blu-ray is excellent the only thing the only thing I feel disappointed about it with is that it only has a 2.0 uh, stereo DTS HD is that a 5.1 not a surround sound Blu-ray
0: <sighs> maybe that's why I was kind of one, but. Mm. Because we're like when we watch Halloween one two, kind of like it's within your the confines your surround system. We are enca- encapsulated in the sound. Yeah,
1: here. I have I, I we watch these movies on my. I have a fifty five inch uh, High Sense TV uh, LC, uh, LCD LED LCD mm-hmm. and a uh, Sony thousand watt five point one surround sound system. So yeah. we watch this shit hardcore. Yeah, the fucking Suspiria Blu Ray from Synapse Films that recently came it's out seven point one right. That was 7.1, but the thing is we were watching it in 5.1 because that's all I have. Right. But it, that one was in – was um it mastered 96 kilohertz sample yeah. rate, which is – most Blu-rays are 48. So this one, the sound really popped because that surround sound system I have can do 96. Like
0: you could feel like the raindrops in the back of your neck and like in the opening of when she rises – Thunder and Lightning in uh, in The Germany.
1: music pops out like never before. It made right. me really appreciate that movie more. Sound, yeah. sound is a big thing. Yeah, sound's more... I, I always look for sound so much, especially in horror movies, because if you want, if you have a good surround sound mix, mix, you can fucking immerse the viewer in it better than all the fucking 3D, high frame yeah, rate, I mean, like, anything else. You
0: look at um Blair Witch Project, shot high 8 and 16 millimeter film. However, they took such great care in the sound design of that movie and sound mix of that movie... You don't have to see shit, and everything shot in a handicap is very shaky cam. but you can hear every footstep that
1: they take. You hear the and sound of the laughing children around you when they're in the tent.
0: Yeah, and, and then when they're beating on the tent and everything, and so wow, I just got to chill my back when I, when I said that. Um, sounds more important to horror than visuals, and it's something that James Wan does in all of his movies in the Insidious and Conjuring movies, and I hope he carries that into Aquaman.
1: And interestingly enough, Halloween 3 was, shot, was uh, recorded in mono instead of stereo like Halloween 2. Maybe they had... They had to cut the budget somewhere. Maybe. Because it, 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 like, it's, it's more locations and everything. And so. I would say Mono was still pretty dominant by then.
0: Yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, like we said before, Terminator was done that, but I was in a low budget uh, situation. Yeah. I needed to. But yeah. And I know you don't have any social media. So. No
1: social media. Don't try to find me. I don't exist. I am nobody. If you want to yell at me, yell at Tim first. Yeah, yell at no. me through Tim. Yeah,
0: and no, uh, I, I will uh, redirect it to him. If you want to send me death threats,
1: they need to be forwarded to me through Tim first.
0: Yes. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy two, my Instagram at Rooney ten twelve, my uh, YouTube page through the Lens Productions, and my other podcast. Please rewind as part of the RF. 4RM Podcast Network where we talk about uh, movies that have uh, special anniversaries coming up. Uh, most recent episode, Goodfellas, was just released, and we also did True Romance and uh, several others, And uh, as well as in the podcast network, the Real Fans Network, there's Holy Badcast, Disorder, Taking the Bullet, and Real Fans for Real Movies. If you enjoy the show, I bet you you'll enjoy all those shows as well. Smash that like button. Exactly. Uh, Mike, I wanted to say thank you again for taking time out of your night to do this.
1: Well, I had nothing to do anyway. That's true. <laughs> And so, I don't do nothing.
0: I hope everybody's enjoyed this review of uh, Halloween Three: Susan the Witch, and come back next month as we talk about the return of Michael
1: Myers—the the, the triumphant return. We're we're gonna have fun with the the. I, I would say the next three.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a roller coaster. The the, sure.
1: the the uh, infamous Thorn trilogy.
0: Oh yeah, we do. So, hope everybody's enjoyed this review, and we'll talk to you soon.